This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Are you stressed? Let's be honest. Most of us are. Online therapy might be able to help. Visit betterhelp.com allies and stress, well, less. Hello, and welcome to the Easy Allies Podcast. I'm your moderator, Daniel Bloodworth, and joining me this week, Michael Damiani. How's it going? Ben Moore. Blood, you ever look at yourself in the mirror and think, I look like a wizard and that's cool? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't recall a time lately. Okay. I can't say it's never happened. Yeah. Uh, And making (laughs) it all happen in the control room. Uh, Isla Hink. Hi. Uh, distinguished guests, we are here to discuss uh, some of the biggest headlines in video games this week. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, we must answer for the mistakes we made in the last episode. Isla, cue corrections music, please. Boop. Huber mentioned there are only two Perfect Dark games, but there is a third game that was on Game Boy Color. I vaguely remember this game. I looked it up. I don't think I've ever seen this game in my life. It looks I've like seen it, but I it looks like some crazy weird cross of like Metal Gear with like first person <laughs> shooting gallery sections. There's some part where you're like running back and forth under a helicopter shooting at it. There's voice okay. acting. Wow. On the Game Boy Color. That's pretty sick. <laughs> That's pretty sick. Jeez. I I also I don't know if it's a novelization of the game or a tie-in or something, but there is some sort of Perfect Dark Zero like book or novel. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly. But it's still what not it a is. game. Yes, not a game, right. but just a thing. Oh, also there was a thing with the bodies, too. So, like, after you killed somebody and you'd loot their body, like, there was, like, this close-up, like, really detailed sprite of the body while you're looting it. Very funny stuff. Uh, we said that Wii Sports hadn't gotten a standalone version in the U.S., but it was released as part of the Nintendo Selects line in 2011. Five years Five years earlier, yeah. Later. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, traditional packing games as if they were a thing of the past, and we completely forgot that Astro's Astro. Playroom mm-hmm. just came out on the PS5. Absolute must oh, play right. if you get that PS5. Did it feel like it had been a I while, though? I've just forgotten about Astro's Playroom, sadly. Yeah, I mean, but, it, you know, it's it's there. It's on every PS5, preloaded. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you have a correction, please leave it in the YouTube comments on either the public version or the patron version. Start with the word correction. Please leave a timestamp so we can see what you're actually correcting. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and, Isla, you can end corrections music. Boop. Okay, so before we get into anything else, uh, we have some announcements about the Easy Allies podcast. If you have not seen yet, uh, this week is Easy X. What? This is the sixth anniversary of Easy Allies, and uh, one of the bittersweet big announcements that was made is that Brandon Jones is retiring from video game coverage and uh, largely uh, leaving Easy Allies. He'll still be doing VO and stuff for us, kind of uh, as a freelancer (laughs) on the side. Uh, but I am now in this hot seat. (laughs) This is this is my podcast for better or worse. Uh, so bear with me. You've been well received. If that's I, any, if that's any point of comfort. 
Yeah, I have I have been fairly well received. I've got some criticism as well. Um, <laughs> I said that. The uh, it, it's it feels nice. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. Super stressed out every Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, we some of the things that we talked about is we're going to try to keep a closer connection uh, between the people that are on the panel and the stories that we choose every week. Um, whether that means trying to get somebody in if that story is big or working it the other way around. It's like, okay, these are people I have, then we're going to work with stories that are going to be interesting to them. And so finding yeah. that balance is going to be tricky, but uh, it's something that we're putting putting thought and effort into. Uh, also, that means I get to talk about fighting games and JRPGs, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> uh, Isla is now a massive chub. Uh, I am? <laughs> Starting with this week's bet, last week's... I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> last week's will still go to the Sea Lions. Uh, we're doing this live right now. There are people watching this. Yeah, behind the scenes. People watching us move cameras and stuff around earlier. It's a $20 tier now on Patreon. It uh, supplants the previous Q&A tier. Uh, and we have uh, new things coming. We have new uh, graphics in the work, new thumb ideas that I have to workshop and figure out what exactly what I want to do. Probably a different take on how we're going to do titles, which is going to be another thing to, to work out. It's been tricky in the past because any time that we've tried to change anything, it's like people just get lost. They're like, wait, no, no. This is supposed to be better. Why is it worse? But we're going to make it happen. We're going to try to, to make catchier headlines and that sort of thing. That's, that's always the interesting thing about feedback. Uh, and it's like totally logical how it happens this way. But... Like, the people that are vocal want to see things change, but the people that are, like, happy with a certain thing, they're obviously not speaking up because they're happy with it. But then you change it, and then you get, like, the inverse of the reaction where it was like, wait, why did you do this? Why Go back to the old way. It's funny how that, that works. Yeah. With all these updates, we're going to have to get you a new shirt. We need that oh, they're, they're coming. Yeah. They're coming. Yeah. Go to the, the merch store. The merch link is in the description every week. Uh, you can get the new merch. Uh, but, yeah, ours have not arrived yet, so I can't rep the new shirts. <laughs> Uh, way too much in my closet now as easy LA shirts. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks thanks to Roost for uh, putting those together. Um, another thing before we get into the real news headlines, um, I might monologue here for a minute, so bear with me, panel. But I'll let you I'll let you loose in a second. Uh, I wanted to make a clarification on Hogwarts Legacy because there are a lot of people. Uh, last week, who uh, you know, noticed that we didn't do a state of play, noticed that we just barely mentioned it on the podcast, and they got upset for a lot of reasons that didn't have anything to do with anything that we said. Uh, and so, I want to make it clear that we don't have like some like set in stone dogmatic policy, like nobody is going to cover Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, that is not uh, uh, a position that we have we have taken at this time. Uh, we didn't react to the state of play because of a lot of various reasons. There are people that are uncomfortable uh, with uh, the author's uh, statements and things on Twitter. There are also people that are just not that into Harry Potter. And there are a lot of people that were very, very busy. <laughs> uh, and so one of the things with reactions is, it you know, the number one thing is, like, do people want to do this? And I put, you know, that notice out there that this state of play is happening and, you know, if people wanted to do it, I understand if they didn't want to do it, but if they wanted to do it, it was wide open and nobody signed up to do that. Uh, and then for me with the podcast, I was, you know, looking again, we're looking at trying to get things that people are interested in talking about. I knew people on the panel 
weren't that into Hogwarts, and I also wanted to try <laughs> to check that state of play out just to, to see if there was more to say about it, but just the nature, again, of just trying to adjust to doing this podcast, I just ran out of time. I was working on everything else. I didn't get to watch that state of play at all until last night, honestly. Well, I watched a little bit with Don after the podcast last week, but I didn't really see it in full till last night. Uh, so, yeah, we're all, you know, we all have various different reasons for things. Um, I'm broadly against the, pro- the the practice of, like, you know, banning a game from coverage or whatever you want to say. Like, I, I, I want to talk about the good and the bad that happens with these games, with these companies. Look at the game itself. Look at what the company's doing. Talk about all of those different things in their own context, in their own light. Uh, and, you know, I... I you know, from looking at that game, even though I have almost no interest in Harry Potter, like, if nobody else wanted to cover that game, then, you know, I would bite the bullet and probably be the one to do it. But I think Brad might actually be. Uh, but anyways, I want to, okay, let, let everyone else speak and kind of share your thoughts and just kind of perspective on, on things. We talked about this for a while the other night, too. Um, yeah, so uh, an interesting example of... Uh just how like this is kind of an evolving process, and I feel like we're feeling our way through this. Yeah, a lot of times is um, Diablo II Resurrected, where mm. before that game came out, I very much had the the same opinion as you, and I was like, I don't want to make moral judgments for people. You know, I I want to recognize that bad things are happening, but let people make their own decisions, and that it's it's a tricky line, and it's a fine line, and I think like. It's, it's, it's one of those problems – sometimes with problems, right, you can think about them and you can come up with a conclusion where you're like, okay, I think this is logical and fair. But with Diablo 2 Resurrected, I also learned that you can't really remove your own feelings from it. Or a better way of saying that is sometimes a controversy may cloud things for you more than you thought it would. And I can't say definitively because there wasn't a conscious decision with Diablo 2 Resurrected, but I feel like I played that game way less than I would have if all of the problems at Activision weren't going on. Like, I, I have this lingering suspicion that it, it did affect me and that, you know, I, I I subconsciously let it fade into the background as a result. And that's that's been... An informative thing, and with with Hogwarts Legacy, uh, growing up, I was into Harry Potter, but I read like the first four books, and then I kind of completely fell off. I watched the movies, uh, but I would certainly not say I am a Harry Potter fan. My wife is; she loves it, um, and I know that she's excited about this game. But it's not something that I'm excited about. I feel like there are a bunch of properties where you could be like, "Oh, I'm making a game," and I'd be like, "I love that property. I want to see it." Harry Potter is genuinely not that for me. I wouldn't say that like I I get no joy from it, but it's not one that I would say I'm I'm passionate about. However, uh, watching the state of play on my phone uh, before this, I didn't watch the developer stuff, but the the sort of in depth look at the game stuff at the the first half of it I watched, and like objectively, yeah, it just it looks great. Like there's there's so many I think just visually, in particular, it, it looks really good, but I still don't have that burning desire right. uh, for Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the game itself, it feels huge. The combat yeah, oh, looks yeah. crazy. The combat reminds me of like a mix of something between like Mass Effect and Control, right? Mm-hmm. It's just so much like levitating and, and throwing things back at people and all that. 
But, uh, but yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like there's a difference between saying, like, no, we're not going to do this because of, you know, we're, we don't want to make a statement versus, like, I'm just just not comfortable with this or I'm not into this or whatever. Yeah, it's it's hard, too, because I feel like the gaming landscape has changed so much, right? Like, growing up, and and, and Blood and Dummy, and I definitely think you can relate to this. I, I feel like just general game coverage was was way different and more oriented on, like, we're going to cover everything, and here are the games that you need to pay a pension to. And it was kind of like a, a whole cloth approach, and things just don't work that way anymore. Like, we try to be, I think, general game coverers, but it, we, we can't. Like, we're not doing a good job at it, right? Because there's there's so many games that we miss, so many games that we don't cover. And, like, the more time that I'm in this industry, the more that I feel like man, if if I am interested in it or if I feel like I have a lot of experience or knowledge, it's much better for me to cover that than something where it's like, yeah, I could do it. Like, right. yeah, I could cover Hogwarts Legacy and I, I bet I would do a fine job, but it's like, it's going to be, you know, decent at best. It's not going to be coming from a place of like real knowledge or experience or love and it's also something that makes me uncomfortable. So it's just like, why would I put my focus into that when there are already things that like I'm chopping at the bit to get back to? Right. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I can't even, I can't, I don't even have time for that stuff. Yeah. Ben, speaking to your earlier point about generalist stuff, did you know that there was a time uh, early in the days of GT that I was sent to Harlem? to Rucker Park to interview NBA players about NBA 2K. <laughs> you know, it's like, For sure. Yeah, you talk yeah. about, you know, going from generous to being a little bit more specialist. And that's exactly what I think of is just the fact that, yeah, we don't we don't have a sports guy right now. So, like, everything outside of, like, MLB and WWE just gets passed over. Right, right, right. And we, <laughs> we don't cover sports games be simply because I would say by and large there's not an interest there. I mean, I know Huber definitely has some interest in like MLB the show and stuff and and has covered that in the past, but I I could not care it's not a malicious thing, right? Um and as I said earlier, I certainly don't want to pass judgments on anybody. I don't think you're bad for supporting this game. I don't think you're bad for playing this game. I I really truly don't feel that way. I think when you get into the ethics of consumption, like we could have a whole podcast about that, right? So I'm not I'm not here to stand on some imaginary soapbox and chastise people, but I also think it's okay to make your own decision, right? Like the J.K. Rowling stuff definitely makes it cloudy for me. It definitely makes it uncomfortable for me. That is not saying like I'm trying to wag my finger at you if you disagree, but I also feel like that's me being true to myself. Yeah. I'll say this for me personally. I'm actually, I'm kind of with Brad in that I actually was really into Harry Potter. Mm. Um, I did read the books. I did watch all the movies. I was very excited for Fantastic Beast, but it's really difficult. It's a difficult pill to swallow when the creator behind it is just doing really heinous things and is leaning to people being, you know, like their rights being like basically violated and saying they shouldn't exist and like trying to reconcile. I, I do enjoy this property. I would love to cover it. I would love to like play this game and it looks really good, but like 
every time. I like look at. I, I tried to rewatch Harry Potter films like a few months ago. I just had to stop because it's like it's like depressing. It's saddening. Like I can't have. They don't bring me joy anymore, and that's just like that makes me feel bad about playing games in general. And so, I feel like there just needs to be a point where like you know if Warner Brothers ever like cuts ties with them somehow or they come out and change you know their tune like it'd make me feel more comfortable doing that but also like some people as you were saying Ben and as you're you saying too Bloodworth like I don't really want to judge anyone else that's going to like like play this if, as, as long as like you know they're playing it because it brings them joy but you know they're still like you know recognize the horrible things that the creator has been doing that's fine like I, I I know this is like not exactly the same but it's like it's, it's how I treat people with like the what's it chick-fil-a if people want to go and eat at chick-fil-a like I, I I don't really care if they really like the food but like that you understand what you're doing when you eat there as well it's like I don't know but like I wish there was a way for me to enjoy Harry Potter because I, I think I'm, I, I didn't know Brad was really into it either but like I really liked it and like I think it's helped that the Fantastic Beast movies have sucked so it's like <laughs> I don't really need to look forward right. to them anymore oh, these are pretty bad so it kind of makes it go down easier but the games like I just remember back at like game trailers like uh, they had like the connect Harry Potter I had to play they had, like the Harry Potter literally played like Gears of War that was like kind of interesting the first one oh, that right. you, yeah like we call it, kept calling it Gears of Potter and stuff yeah. because it was just so weird and then the first one that you explore like exploring Hogwarts and like going into that world like it's a it's an amazing and fantastical world that is like brings a lot of joy to people and like it just has to suck so much to like find out like, you know, don't like ever like meet your heroes and stuff type thing. Cause they all like let you down. Like this right. has to be one, like one of the biggest ones in the books. And like, I don't, yeah, I think it was like, we, you know, if it made us feel uncomfortable and stuff like it did, like it was the right thing to like, just stay away from this. I mean, I know there are other like games too that make people uncomfortable. Then sure. Then, then stay away from them. That That's yeah, just your decision. You do not have to support them, but yeah, it's just, it's just unfortunate, honestly. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny thing because, like, <laughs> you know, like, I am in the group of people that J.K. Rowling hates, you know? And that's, like, a weird thing to wrap my mind around um, because it's so, like, more more so than someone being hateful and all this, which she definitely is doing, but it's, like, She's just wrong. And it's like, it's, it's, I want to like take her aside and just be like, yo, maybe people like came after you, like said some stuff, whatever. But like, listen, we're not a threat. <laughs> we're not a threat. But I mean, there's no, there's no changing her mind. She's just digging in deeper. And like, that's what it is. And like, for stuff like this, there are no answers. Certainly not easy. I don't think hard i don't think there are answers it's all just gray areas and like the only thing you can do is like anything else in life is like you try to understand the context you look into it if you're interested enough to look into it and then you do what you think is right like that's kind of it for everything and like we're a news and entertainment company and hogwarts legacy you know, like the the trailer got like twelve million views or something. Like it's a big enough game that we we just have to cover it, basically. Just like we talk about Activision and Blizzard and and the news stuff. Like we have to talk about news, you know. And like J.K. and her bigoted attitudes are part of that story. And it's like we're just gonna say both parts of it. Um, and like, you know, 
you can find just like Chick-fil-A, like you said, Damiani, like, you know, because like I don't eat a Chick-fil-A because they hate me. And it's like, okay, but then people will say, well, what about the people who work at Chick-fil-A? What about the devs of Hogwarts? And it's like, I mean, I don't know how much my not buying that game or not buying a chicken sandwich will affect someone's job. I don't know. And that's not really my concern. Um, I choose to not go there. I choose to not play the game. I mean, shit, if I get it for free, like maybe I'd check it out. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I played 15 minutes of Horizon, and I was like, nah. Like, I don't know, there's nothing wrong with Horizon, but it's just not my cup of tea. But, like, you know, like, I think that JK is going to get paid either way. I think the devs are probably going to get paid either way. And, like, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you kind of, yeah, you just have to follow your heart. And, like, talk about it, make noise in a polite, like, you catch more flies with honey is what I always say. Like, yelling at someone, coming out militant, ain't going to change him. It's just going to dig him in deeper. Like JK is an example of that. And like, you just have to like, I think a lot of people are lost causes. You can't, can't maybe change their minds, but it'd be nice to think that you could. And I think the way to do that is with empathy, not rage. Even though when someone is trying to destroy you, it's very scary and easy to get angry about it. And I don't blame anyone for, feeling that way I feel threatened and afraid because of what she says too and it's very difficult but similarly to you guys like I I read through book four and then I was like this is ruining the movies and then I watched the rest of the movies and I was like these aren't really that good anyway but I wanted a world like that to live in and to believe in and this ain't the one so back to the expanse (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, do, do you want to say something? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I could talk about this for a long time, but I think in, in having these conversations, like, you you learn how, like, frustratingly flawed you are, right? And how, like, if you add up all the little things in your life, you will find all sorts of inconsistencies, right? And you're like, well, that sucks, but it also just feels like, being human, right? Where like you try to stand for things. And even in that attempt to stand for something, you are wildly inconsistent, right? Um, like I just ate at Chick-fil-A two weeks ago and I eat there regularly. And like, no, I don't like that they give money to these groups, but I also really like the chicken. And it's just like, you feel bad, but then sometimes you're, you're not even thinking about it. And it's just like, it's all of these things, right? And, like, with this this Hogwarts Legacy thing, like, yeah, it makes it easier. Like, Damian, you were saying, like, I haven't seen the Fantastic Beast movies, but you were saying, like, oh, man, it makes it easier that they suck. And it's like, yeah, I bet in this instance it makes it easier for me because I don't – I'm not a passionate Harry Potter fan, right? Like, hypothetically, how would I be responding to the situation if this was Shin Megami Tensei or Street mm-hmm. Fighter, right? Like, I bet that would be a lot harder for me to deal with, right? And I don't like that that is true, but I, it is, right? I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And, and I think there's just like, there's a level, you know, there's a level, some of this goes back to kind of, uh, some of it actually ties into something that we're, we're not going to actually talk a whole lot about, but stories going around about some other, some devs and stuff and this, and this sort of, you know, almost flawed perspective of having like, you know, an auteur culture where you're like, 
you know, have one figurehead at the head of the studio. It's like, ah, this is that person's game. It's like, no, it's everybody else's game. And like, when you put this person on the te- pedestal yeah. and they're not in a place to be on that pedestal to treat everybody well, you know, then it, make, it creates this, all these weird issues and tensions and things like that, you know. But it's like, at the same time, the people that work on these things, you know, the people that are working on Hogwarts, they, they're passion is just like coming through every like that blog post is almost cheesy like how much they love for sure hogwarts um you know and it's like so they don't they don't want to have them coming out and speaking out against these issues to overshadow the world or to overshadow the game overshadow their their co-workers work you know it's like just like no we just want to deal with these issues on their own and i think i just think it's like one of those things that like you know some people are you know, have a harder time doing that and, and separating the two things and other people, you know, like it's very easy. It's like, well, I like this thing. I don't care about any of the people involved with it. I just like this thing and I'm going to like this thing. And, it, you know, it inspires me to do my own thing as well. So there's, you know, it's, you know, so there's just that sort of, you know, that sense that some people can separate the two things a lot easier yeah. than it seems. Because you're talking, again, you're talking about comfort, you know, and, and it's like, Anything that you spend money on is probably going to go to something bad and to something good at the same time. Yeah, it, there's there's a lot of things, and, and I think Isla mentioned something that I, I do think is is very true. Where, like, just screaming at people, even if the intention is good, is not helping your case in the way that you want it to be. Um, and and you have to recognize nuance, and you have to recognize the, the contradiction to contradictions inherent in like human existence for sure. Um, and I also think the other thing, right, is like human nature is you're just you're just going to care about something more if it if it personally affects you or if it affects somebody that right. you care about. Like that's. That's not being selfish. That's that's just that's just how you work, right? Like if something affects your family, right? That's going to go to priority number one uh, versus you know something that doesn't. And and I'm not saying that like you shouldn't have any concern outside of that bubble, but but like that, that's how human beings work. I, I I think everybody on this planet, at least on some level, exists that way. And so the fact that this does affect Isla, you know, somebody that we deeply care about, right? I think I think that cloud is going to naturally loom larger. Oh, you guys. <laughs> I mean, it is it is funny. You're so right, I think. And like it's interesting to see companies What's that what's that line in Fight Club where he's like his job is doing the the like recall thing and it's like if the cost of all the lawsuits Auditing. and audits and, and yeah. insurance claims is less than the cost of the recall they don't do one and it's funny to see companies run that math and mm. like you know like the game dev s- chose to engage in this property with JK you know they're already doing these things and it's just in- and like Warner Brothers or whoever continues making the movies, you know, and it's like because the the loss of capital doesn't matter. Like it's not big enough to impact the bottom line so they don't care. And like Activision gets bought by Xbox or by Microsoft. X, Microsoft and like you know, the bully gets transferred to another school and it's like hard not to lose 
hope in the face of capital, you know, but at the same time, it's things are getting better slowly over time. So, yeah, yeah. I uh, do think that to me, there's a level of it that's not just about money, though, especially looking at these devs and, and everything from what they've said. Like, I feel like there's a genuine love for the property there, and, and it's sort of like, uh, thank you for this, and you can go away now. <laughs> right. I feel it's sort of, you know, the attitude that, that some people definitely have in this kind of situation. I, I also think it is it is easy to get tunnel vision on stuff, again, very human nature, or, or to, like, depersonalize or decontextualize situations, right? Because, like... <laughs> If you if you even just dip your toe into the world outside of video games, right? Things are not great. Uh, haven't been great for years. You know, we we're still in the midst of of a crazy pandemic that completely upended and isolated people for a very long time, right? And so it's like on some level, I feel the sympathy of where you're like. Man, this is messy, but I just love Harry Potter and I just need that right now. How how can I how can I like not have empathy for that, right? Where it's like, you know, we all we all lean on things, we all have points of of, of comfort uh, that we dive into and uh, you know, I, how ca- how can I ignore that on yeah. some level? I mean, yeah, back to what I kind of said before is like there's no answer. Like you yeah. you just have to like that's the meaning of life, right? Is you just this is something my dad would say. Like, it was one of the last things that he said to us when he could still talk, you know. Uh, he was like, just do as well as you can for as long as you can and try to leave the world a better place, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's life, man. Like, you got to run the math yourself and, you know, do what you think is right every day, every second. And that's just what it is to be a person. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and move on, but I do want to say two things. One is that, um, you know, don't, don't go around bullying people. <laughs> uh, whichever side of the, the debate you sit on on this, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to force anyone to, to play the game or to not play the game. You know, if people are not into it, you know, we might not group stream it. The people that are into it might stream it on their own or whatever. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll work out how to cover it based on who wants to cover it. Uh, and the other thing is I do want to uh, give a shout out to uh, GameSpot, who has a very good article up there to where if you actually like, if you want to get somebody to like explain to you all of this situation, if you're like, what is going on? What are we even talking about? Check out that GameSpot article because I think it does a good job of laying it all out while also being like, hey, whatever you decide, you're, you're not a bad person for, for feeling the way you do. On to news. Happier moment. Damiani, we got a new Ghostbusters game. Yes, we did. <laughs> so this is from uh, Elphonic, the makers of Predator Hunting Grounds and Friday the 13th. It is a evolved style 4v1 hunt or haunt coming uh, in Q4. Cross-platform multiplayer. Has, it's coming to last gen. Uh, and then it's got all kinds of other cool stuff in there. Elise and James Williams are writing this game, yeah. full disclosure. Crazy. Oops. Yeah. Crazy. That's, that's, that's awesome. I, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I believe 
a couple of kind of funny people are doing a voice, or at least Greg Yeah, Miller. yeah, there's people in there. Oh, man, sure. yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Greg Miller's a huge What are we, at least chopped liver guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's more on the Ilphonic side, yeah. And it's a. What are we, Ilphonic well, chopped we, liver guy? Actually, I mean, we didn't, I didn't get invited to be a voice or anything, but we. we <laughs> We did try to preview this game before they announced it, where schedules just didn't line up. Um, so regrettably, we didn't have a preview up when they announced it. And the, the title of it, Ghostbusters uh, Spirits, Spirits Unleashed. Unleashed. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Just get that title out there. I don't think we actually said it. Um, yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters games have an interesting history. Um, this one, just, con- just watching the trailer, it looked really good to me. Um, they're treating it as canon, which is always an interesting and unique proposition because I think the last major Ghostbusters game also attempted to do that, which yeah. tried to be kind of like the third film when everyone's wondering when we could get more of the Ghostbusters back together. And this is continuing on from the most recent film. So one, it's nice that they're getting to these older actors because as Ernie Hudson reprising his uh, yeah. role as Winston Zedmore and Dan Aykroyd coming back as Ray. And um, it's afterwards. So like Ernie Hudson, uh, Winston's trying to, train a new generation of Ghostbusters, which has always been kind of like a cool concept I wanted to see come to fruition in this franchise because they're all getting older and like train train a younger generation and this is the concept they're going with. Also, that's like the obvious way to go for exactly. a third movie, just franchises of Ghostbusters. Like that's where <laughs> yes. they're headed, it seems it was like. like yeah. I was like, I want to see this. And the best thing is like Ray... And apparently in the in uh, one of the articles I read, it's just literally across the street from the firehouse is Ray's occult shop right there. It's just <laughs> right over there, and he's got his nice little Tobin spirit guide. And the Which thing- is great because this is something that Dan Aykroyd had in the like original script yes. is going into the yeah, ghost realm. Yeah, I heard realm. about this, yeah. Yeah, and they, they were like, I mentioned this on a stream the other day, but I'll say it here too. Like, the, the original script had them like, going around the world and like jumping into other dimensions and stuff. And the, the producers at the time were like, Dan, no, like <laughs> this yeah. movie has like a nothing budget. Stop <laughs> it, it. Like, it, it no. was wild. I, I'm glad that the angle they're going for here, not just like leveraging Ghostbusters, but the four V one kind of asymmetrical multiplayer. They said they did predators. They, uh, they did Friday the 13th. Those are a little bit more violent, uh, a little bit more intense, this one they said is meant for more for all ages, and that that uh, it, but it's still kind of like got right. that, that supernatural spooky angle to it. But playing, it's o- Ghost has always been like four people together playing, and then being able to play as the ghost is really cool in this because you can possess other objects. And like there have been games that have done that oh sort of well, and there have been games that have done that terribly. And I'm very curious to see how it plays to like take over an object. And like it, the objective is not just to, like you don't kill players in this. You stun them, you slime them, and you knock them down, and they're down, and they have to be like rescued. Right. And if everyone's down, you lose. But do you, you think you, there will be any jokes about possessing a bowl of dog food? Do you think that they are that <laughs> nerdy to know that reference? Maybe it could happen. Maybe I don't even know that reference. I, it's it's Geist. That, it's a GameCube game. Yeah, oh. it's a Geist. Which Where you one go of, around yeah. possessing things. Yeah, it's. Maybe I don't, th- you know what, blood. I don't think the one's gonna make it in there, but I do hope because part of it is being like kind of like they want you to like torment the players, they want you to kind of like mess with them to have fun. So it's like, even if you're not gonna like win as the ghost, you still can like kind of mess with people and like 
uh, like because it, it's for all ages. So like even a kid can get in there and like even if they're playing a bunch of like skilled veterans, it's like oh I'm gonna go like set off some sprinklers and like make you guys wet. And so the kids probably gonna like laugh at that. But like there is seems like there's a serious angle too where you could teleport across the map. You could set traps like uh, for for your, the Ghostbusters. But we're gonna get using like the the PKA meters. Like someone's gonna be in charge of that to like scan for the ghosts. Like crossing the streams is gonna be good again. <laughs> apparently, it's like. It, it's saying all the right things and getting like the actors to come together. It just seems like it's going to be a fun game to play, and it's embracing all the right things about Ghostbusters that people enjoy, and it's a nice theme. So I'm actually was very pleasantly surprised. I was very worried when you were telling us this behind the scenes, like, man, this is going to suck, isn't it? And then, <laughs> and then you said James and Elise writing. I'm like, okay, it probably has some hope there. And I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, I'm in on this. Yeah, it looks like it could – like. Like a quicker, more fun uh, – Phasmophobia is super fun, but like mm-hmm. oh, more sure, zany. Yeah. It's like Phasmophobia meets like Prop Night meets like that um, Shriek. What is it where you like scare each – Oh, Hide and Shriek. Hide and Shriek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it seems like it's taking notes from like seven other games and being like, let's just do all the good stuff from all of those. It looks fun. I don't mm-hmm. know. And you're right about it being quick. They said the the, the Presley Sun Center they're shooting for like matches being no longer than ten minutes. Oh wow! So they want to be really quick, so you know they don't get too too involved there. The right. the story stuff from from Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd was really exciting to me because I I you know I'm a huge Ghostbusters God. fan and like yeah I I hope they. I hope they don't screw it up. The, the, yeah, just using the lines, like, you know, we yeah. got the tools, but do you got the talent? But do you have the talent? <laughs> like, I was like, yes. Oh, so good way so to so put good. a spin. I was like, good job. That, that was probably a James and Elise well, line and there for are, sure. Even in the trailer, there are a bunch of little, like, mm. nods and references. It's, they really know what they're talking about, it seems. I mean, I know Elise is a huge Ghostbusters fan, too, and James, so, yeah. Ben, you're obsessed with Dead by Daylight. I am. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I, blood, I've, this entire conversation, I've been, I, or almost this entire conversation, I feel like I've been thinking about Dead by Daylight. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what do you think? Do you yes. think, like, a, a, a more a kid-friendly Dead by Daylight is a, it's a good way to go for, for Ghostbusters? Um, well, first I should say I have not consumed any content about this game, so learning about it from you guys is, is, yeah. is kind of my first introduction to it, and so... Take take what I say with a grain of salt, uh, but boy, I feel like this space has gotten just so competitive. Um, like I know VHS is coming out. Uh, I believe it's called Prop Night. It, it was also just uh, in beta, I believe, and so a lot of things are competing with Dead by Daylight. There's that Dragon Ball game that's coming out. Oh gosh! Um, yeah. So there's there's all of these things going on, um, but as somebody who is obsessed with Dead by Daylight. Despite Dead by Daylight having so many faults and and sometimes feeling like a half working game, <laughs> um, it it is just so well established, right? Like I it, it like as somebody who loves that game and is playing it all the time more than I should be playing it. Um, it just like there's so many characters to choose from. Uh, for, on the killer side, there's so many different, like, there's so much variety. Like, I just feel like its experience has this leg up. Like, I'm going out on a limb here and saying, like, I feel like Destiny has a leg up on, like, other games that maybe try to get in that space just because it has so much content. It has so mu- many, like, established player bases. It has, like, I even think, like, resources on YouTube or Twitch are, are important mm. for these kinds of games, right? And I think that is why... 
part of the reason why Dead by Daylight has prospered is like Dead by Daylight has a super vibrant community. And I'm not talking like I, I don't think people outside of the community are actually aware of how de- big Dead by Daylight is. No, it's not League of Legends or Fortnite big, but it's like a step below that. And there are tons of, of well-established content creators that really help people um, get into the game. And I'm not saying that like competition is bad or that these other people shouldn't go into this space. I totally think they should. It's just like, it's just a fact that I think starting from ground zero uh, puts you at a natural disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I find myself wondering how much the theming matters in something like that. Like, let's say you yeah. took three Dead by Daylight clones that are all, like, just as good, just as mechanically great, and, like, one of them is Dead by Daylight, and then, like, one of them's fantasy-themed, and one of them is sci-fi-themed or whatever, and then one's Ghostbusters-themed, and, like, which one does better? And then also, on top of that, if this is a hit with the kids, um, you know, you get the Five Nights at Freddy's age group or something, or, like, you know, like, right. that. that is a huge market share. So I wonder... Like, if this is solid, it could, it could do pretty well if it gets in on the right crowd. Yeah. Isla, you just made me think of something, and this this might be a hot take, because I definitely think Dead by Daylight, right? Like, I don't think Hellraiser is hot with the kids. I don't <laughs> think yeah. necessarily Leatherface is hot with the kids. Yeah, that's, or, a, that's squarely in our age range. <laughs> right. But I think the thing about it is, like, yeah, that's a huge reason why I played Dead by Daylight. Well, yes, yeah. I say that that it's like it's targeting a much older demographic, but I think horror fans that are into Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and so on and so forth, and I very, th- I very much include myself in that category. Like, yes, it may be older, but that audience is fucking loyal. Yeah. I mean, it, it is it is amazing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974, and it's still enduring. Like, I think the people that love those classic horror franchises, like, it's not a fad. It's not something that's going to be over, you know, in the next five years. Like, it will continue to persist. Yeah, I, I think like, that's the thing with Dead by Daylight is it's gone from having, like, oh, here's a cool guest character to why aren't you in Dead by Daylight yet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, like, at this point, it feels like they've kind of almost gotten everyone. Like, mm-hmm. Bro, they got fucking Pyramid Head. You know, they, <laughs> right. they got Silent Hill so good. in a time where Silent Hill is dead, right? Like, which sucks, but it's it's the truth, right? And it, and outside of Jason from Friday the 13th, uh, you know, they definitely do have many of the major players. Yeah. I think a thing that might work potentially work against Ghostbusters, as you said, like the, concept, like the issue of longevity, is I think this could have a strong opening, but it's like how... How quickly can they keep adding things to it? And with right. a licensed property like that, it, sometimes that can be a little bit difficult mm. to. Like I'm right. just thinking about like the map designs. Like there are very iconic locations that are in the trailer as well as that they could draw upon. But you know, especially when you have a larger demographic, especially I, I was assuming younger def- demographic that's used to games like that are updating more frequently. Once they burn through all those iconic things, how easy is it for them to come up with a new original like environment for the game that maybe has to go through some approval process in the from the like the licensing department? It's like that's too slow. You're taking too long. Also, this narratively, like I'm, as I said, I'm excited about who they're bringing into it, but I don't know how story. I don't expect this game to really be that story heavy. And like, how long is that going to satiate me? Just having like these cameos, they deliver their few lines of dialogue, and it's like, all right, it's kind of the same thing every time I'm going in. Like, how fun is the core gameplay loop? And as you said, like something like Dead by Daylight already has like a leg up on it and has been doing it for so much longer. Like, 
I, I see this being like a short, like kind of like big burst where they push it and then people probably go back to what they're familiar with with Dead by Daylight. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you bring up licensing because uh, not all that long ago, Dead by Daylight just went through uh, this very recently. So they had a Stranger Things chapter um, yeah. where they added Stranger Things survivors and then the Demogorgon as a killer and then they had a like Hawkins Lab map. So now the, the map is just gone, just de- straight up deleted from the game. And although people who already own the characters can still play as them, you can no longer buy them. Mm. Uh, and that sucks. Like, that's just very frustrating. Like, imagine, like, fortunately, like, I have those characters, but imagine being a new player where it's like, yeah, yeah I can just, I just can't get that. Uh, I can't ever have that experience. And so that's really frustrating. And it's like extra salt in the wound as, as Bloodworth just uh, made clear to me today, you know, that things are getting removed from Dead by Daylight, but Stranger Things is happy to do a crossover with Far Cry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Far Cry. Yeah. yeah. So licensing is, is a yeah. nightmare. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to, you know, Predator Hunting Grounds, it's, it's interesting to see is like, is this a step forward from that, or are we going to re- kind of repeat that kind of cycle where like everyone was hyped about it, everyone checked it out, wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it was fun to play a few rounds with people, and then you know after a while there wasn't really anywhere to go with it, so it just sort of seemed to stop being talked exactly. About. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it, even like standalone games that uh, not, uh, not standalone predator, but like uh, similar friendship, like Alien, like with Alien Isolation, mm-hmm. like th- th- those always have such a long not shelf. Isolation. What was the one last year? I forget what it was called, but, but they done yeah. like col- like Colonial Marines. Don't you get in that? Oh, but, like, Fire Team. Fire Team. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, they only have. I feel like they only have so long of a shelf life with these with these licensed properties that, that they do a game. Like it's almost better to just do like almost a standalone or be part of an event. Like it almost would have made more sense for them to like go to like go like people in a Ghostbusters property to go to like uh, Dead by Daylight. People like, hey, would you like a Ghostbusters map and like a, maybe like a month where you could play as the Ghostbusters versus this? So I don't doubt this is going to be good and, and it can happen. But I'm I'm with you because like I think Ghostbusters is a bigger property than Predator. The Predator franchise, but like I worry it's just gonna be like a slightly longer version of what happened with Predator because so many people were excited about that. They played it, it was like an okay game, had some good times with it, and then they moved on from it. Um, another thing that I just thought about, uh, and I think fighting games absolutely go through this is when you're entering in a genre that requires a consistent player base, I think that really messes with the player's. Uh, perception of your game, right? So I think Dead by Daylight has kind of broken through that barrier, right, where regardless of your complaints about the game, right, or things that you don't like, what it has going for it is you know people are always going to be playing it. You, I think what a lot of games unfortunately fall victim to is people are like, I really like this game, but not that many people are playing it. It takes me forever to find a match. And like, even if they like it, they move on, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like, the lifeblood of your game is like, m- like it has to be relevant in a way. The funny thing is, to, like, specifically on that topic, they said this early on that, like, oh, to facilitate faster matchmaking, sometimes AI bots will like fill out oh, the, the okay. thing, so you're not waiting a long time. Because mm. like, I think they recognize that's the thing. Like, if they first week, it's like maybe big for the first day or two, and it starts to drop off. It's like keep that going but i mean how you know how satisfied are you going to be with you know teaming up with ai bots right. you know and how good you know how well they're going to really play so 
that's definitely something they're trying to tackle, but I mean, I don't think any game has thrived on having like bots like yeah. dominate when it's supposed to be a player driven game. <laughs> I, and you you mentioned this already. This is a point that you already made, but I do just want to emphasize it where like I think it is awesome that like this new game is catering to Ghostbusters fans and that that it'll get them excited. But I, I also think something that Dead by Daylight has going for it is it's like anything well, this this could not be true, right? They could do other crossovers potentially, but I think you would expect that any new things that they add are just Ghostbusters things. Whereas Dead by Daylight, it's like I have no idea what they're going to put in the game. You know, it could come it could come from from pretty much anywhere, and I do think that surprise for when those like announcements do happen that are unexpected, those definitely put a lot of eyeballs on Dead by Daylight. Will there be a reference to Dan Aykroyd's tequila brand <laughs> vodka? Whichever. Probably I hope not. there's a, an addition of the game that he comes that with. That comes with it, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it comes with like a skull. I want to try it. I yeah, I've, try. I've always been curious about it. Because the game looks very, and I actually like the look, but the game looks yeah, very toy like to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, not even necessarily like a cartoon, but like you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if things like, all right, let's get uh, let's get some uh, Milton Bradley or some I don't know some some, some toys. To yeah, go I mean they're always trying to. I imagine that's one of the things. But you did, sorry that this made me. Last thing I want to say about this is the ghost designs because they had the iconic Slimer in there, so like everyone's gonna be excited to play a Slimer. Um, I don't know how sold I am on the other ghost designs that they showed just yet. They kind of looked a little generic and not too right. too in, in just like enticing other, other colors of yeah you know, I think, so i i hope yeah. they have something a little bit i i, I my fear is that they're wor- they're relying more on like the possession mechanic that you're just gonna like mm. it's about like oh you don't really need it's only like yeah. one part of what you can do though yeah but. there's a lot of other stuff you could do but the designs it's the the ghost designs they need to be up there because the if they just look kind of like samey the same one too and they're just like you just distinguish them by color like that's you know do we know if you like create a character or if the different humans are classes or whatever? Like maybe the ghosts are different classes, so there's only four or five. I think or you might create a character. The the impression I had was that you did, but now that I'm now that I'm yeah, thinking about it, I'm like, I thought the trailer said something about this. One. Maybe I mean it had Slimer, but maybe that's just one of the ones you can create. Yeah, I imagine the characters is oh, create a character. Yeah, I don't know about the ghosts themselves. You probably yeah. don't. That'd be sick to make a create a ghost though. Create a that ghost would be really dude. Fun. Okay, yeah, you get to put your backstory for your ghost, like what weird dimension you're from. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, it does. Okay, so um, customizing your Ghostbuster or ghost, upgrading equipment and abilities. Well, dude, skill so. trees for the ghosts. <laughs> Man, I mean, this game might suck, but I'm I'm hyped for it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is like narrow-minded, but. I wish it had like a single player component. Oh, yeah. I I feel like when it's because I feel like with Predator I had that moment where I was like, man, moving around as the Predator is really fun. I just kind of want to play like a little campaign of this, right? Like not it, it's not that the multiplayer is invalid, but I think there's something. I don't know. Like so sometimes you just want to be in the world, not compete. So like yeah, I'm curious like how a lot of this mechanic's gonna work out. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of like implying that too with like this. Like, I'm not gonna get a lot of story in this, but yeah, and, uh, that. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe they have some creative ideas yeah. they're gonna do with that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, still, still, like, I'm excited, very optimistic about it. I, I even though I think it's only gonna be like a, a shorter lifespan, but I, you know, I'd love to be proven wrong, and you know, we'll see how it is when we can try it out. Oh, uh, for sure. Do they give a date? I forget. Or do we have uh, a window? It is uh, later this year. Oh, uh, just a Q4. 
Um, and yeah, like like I said, we missed the the preview event, but uh, there are definitely some impressions out there to I think to dig is, into. It is vital to keep an open mind about this stuff, and like history has just proven this time and time again. Because like I played Fall Guys at E3, I thought it was really cool and no way was I like this is going to be a phenomenon you know and so what catches fire and what doesn't I I don't know <laughs> very stay open minded uh, but something you were interested in talking about. Yes. Nintendo is shutting down Dragalia Lost. <laughs> yes, I was interested in this. Yeah, so this is, this is the third mobile game of theirs to get shut down. Uh, it was a, a new IP that was launched in 2018, developed by Psy Games. I didn't realize it had been that long. So to me, yep. like four years is actually a pretty good run for this game. Uh, the main campaign is going to end in July, and then they say the service will end at a later date, but they didn't really specify when. Uh, the other two games that had previously been shut down was uh, Mitomo, which went from 2016 to 2018, and Dr. Mario oh, yeah. World, which went from 2019 to 2021. So it's actually doubled yeah. the length of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ben, what, what, are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm so glad, because I don't, I don't think other people are as, as interested in this topic as I am, but I am really interested uh, in this topic because I, I dabble quite a bit. Uh, in mobile games. I would not say like I'm an enthusiast or super hardcore about it, but it's definitely something I, I, I check out pretty often. And I really liked Dragalia Lost. I did. I thought it was super fun to play. I thought visually it looked incredible. Um, it definitely had its hooks in me for a little bit, but I am not playing it, have not played it in a very long time. will probably never play it again. Um, and it's because the mobile landscape is such a vicious beast. It really, really is. And and the more I get into uh, this arena, the more aware I am of that, where like, I think you can have a really good game like Dragalia Lost, and I think in a lot of ways, um, Dragalia Lost kind of like met the threshold that mobile games need to, where like it was doing crossovers, um, it had addictive elements, it had repeatable things, it had a whole campaign, it was like doing all this stuff. And when your marketplace where the, when the threshold is free and everything is is competing for your attention you can't just be like good you have to be exceptional and so like even more so than the 60 70 dollar video game space i think you you have to be like such a incredible product that you like you cannot be ignored and people are willing to put aside other free things that you know that are very low risk or low investment uh to get into them and i think a good example of that is is genshin impact right where it just was so impressive in a lot of ways and i feel like genshin impact like also has not let up right um I'm not currently a Genshin Impact player, so keep that in mind when I say this, but, like, on Twitch, there's, like, ads. Like, I feel like I'm always aware of it. Right. Right? And, like, I think it was very easy to forget that Dragalia Lost even existed, right? It wasn't attached to this big IP. Um, I know they did crossovers. I know they tried to keep things uh, up to date, but I, I feel like... You, you just have to be so aggressive and you have to constantly remind people. Um, and I, I just don't feel like it was doing that in an effective yeah. way. Well, it's hard to me, too, to think about, okay, like what, you know, as Nintendo in particular, like what could they have been doing? Like you'd have to be very targeted, I think, because if they kept bringing up like, oh, Dragalia Lost is getting this new campaign or whatever in a Nintendo Direct, I think most people would just be like, all right, well, 
I'm going to use this is my spot for a bathroom break. You know, like, right. it's very tricky to me because I never got into it. But, you know, it's it's weird because like, well, I haven't really gotten to any mobile games. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure what they could have done to extend the longevity. I am. I guess I haven't been following it too closely, but in the first, you know, early goings, it was one of their better performers. Like, I think only, like, Fire Emblem Heroes was outperforming it, and it took a little while for Fire Emblem Heroes to overtake it. So if they're winding down this one, it now makes me wonder, like, what is, like, their Nintendo strategy with mobile now? If they're they're pulling back on this, I mean, it'll be really telling if they ever pull back on Fire Emblem Heroes. Right. I mean, that also feels like it's... I know it's still active and people are still playing it, but it also feels like it's kind of starting to fall out a little bit as well. And those are probably their two strongest efforts because Pokemon Go is not theirs. That's Niantix. And then, like, that also, as big as it ever was, is still, it's still big, but it's also been, like, you know, in decline for a lot of different reasons, though. A lot of, like, uh, mistakes made probably by the developers on that one, pulling features that people wanted to stay into in it. But, uh, yeah, as you said, like, a lot of their mobile efforts have just really, like, not really excited people and it doesn't seem like they've really had any real strength in dominating that market because it's like it's just a whole different beast for them and it's as you said it's so saturated already and you like there's the the margin of error for like being excellent is so small um it feels uh, it almost feels like you know luck sometimes if you become like the next big thing on like a mobile game and like was the most recent one about the the pikmin one they just launched like tried it for like a few hours i love pikmin i I stopped playing it i'm like i want to be surprised next year if there's like a press release oh we're shutting that down too like it's just and i mean animal crossing it's like same thing it's like they i I, think animal crossing's got a boost with yeah. Pocket's still going. I think. Po- yeah, yeah the, the, I think Mario Kart Tour. Attach- is attach- well. Mario yeah. Kart Tour is the one I would say because like that one they push out so many updates for, and it is Mario Kart's one of the biggest brands. I think they got it really right with that, but also like attaching them to like another like core game, like uh, attaching it to like the, the biggest release of a history of Nintendo with Animal Crossing New Horizons. Like, of course they're going to keep supporting that game. So maybe that's what they're going for. And this really didn't have any con- Dragalia Lost had like no right. real connection to anything else. It was like, hey, thank you, Side Games, for doing this. It was pretty successful, but. It's just it's time. Damiani, you're touching on, on so many important things, and I, I think you elaborated on something that I was trying to say where, uh, like, Pokemon Go is a good example. Um, I go into this, this cycle with Pokemon Go where I will get in a Pokemon kick, and I'm like, man, I love Pokemon. I should download Pokemon Go again, and I'll have fun for, like, a week. I'll be like, man, this game is really cool for what it is, and they've, they've added so much stuff. And then I'll hit a point where I'm like, yeah, I don't really like this game. And like it this this has happened yeah. I don't even know how many times where like like I I don't know how I self-delude myself into the cycle repeatedly. <laughs> and it's just because it's Pokemon, right? And I think it, I think it, it, that name is just has has such a power that I'm able to go through this cycle again and again and again. And like for Dragali Lost I think is one of those things where it's like like, on a technical level, it's like, yeah, it looks really pretty. Uh, I really think it has good art. At the end of the day, it is just pretty generic fantasy from an unestablished brand, right? Which is already, like, hyper-saturated, right? So that, yeah, that isn't helping it. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, I feel like with mobile games, that, that it is it is so hyper-competitive that, like, if you are not constantly on the ball or you, like, have a bad month, 
like that fucks you way harder than I think uh, other markets would get would get hindered by yeah. that. I, I saw some analysis that was saying that you know um, part of it is like Nintendo is backing away a bit from mobile Which, yeah. because for one they're not you know they're not comfortable with the the microtransaction monetization strategy when it comes to kids uh, and uh, it's it feels like they kind of like what we're saying with these other games like they're leaning into. We're not really worried about making money on mobile, but we'll use mobile as games as sort of like an advertising Ex- for our other games. That's what I was going to say. Like you get into yeah. Mario Kart Tour, oh, why don't you get Mario Kart 8 on Switch? You know, that kind is, of that, thing, yeah. Them being uncomfortable <laughs> with microtransactions is a hard pill to swallow. Sure. Like, boy, that's pretty late in the game, and there are... Not only plenty of mobile examples to back that up, but there are plenty of examples. Of, I feel like on Switch, they they allow their their platform. Uh, so like, I mean, that's so much of whether they allow or not, but like whether that's something like they want to actually like develop those kinds of games. I, I, so, know, so, so here's a, here, here's a, you know an optional versus a, a push. It's a good way to work this thing. in. Yeah. Uh, the, the, so this past weekend, um, when when I went to Disney, I spent a lot of time with my nephews and got to see the mobile gaming habits that they have. Um, and building a game around microtransactions, like the how how far it can go and like what speak like what they're aiming at like younger audiences uh, first of all it's like uh, the, the the games it's like auto runners of some types so that's going like towards the screen or going sideways whatever it is it's all swipe controls like no like the all like really simple controls so that's probably why Mario Kart Tour had all those like auto drive options originally because right. they, they kind of knew about that but in terms of the practice whenever they like lose a life it's like use the in-game currency but you only can get so much or else you get to like put mom and dad's credit card in there to buy more. Also, there's another option on there. This made me my, my jaw drop. They can, they can pick an option to watch an ad, a 30 second ad right. to yeah, regenerate. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, I was like, no yeah. way. This is like, yeah, this is for kids. School. I was like, it's old school, but I was like, they're still doing this. They're still doing this crap. And I'm like, I, like Nintendo would hate this. Like they would like go nuts if that's how they had like oh. designed their games or like around this. But like. Damiani like, Every I, I I feel like essentially every major mobile game yes, has yeah. that ad thing yeah, where yeah. it's like gets Dead by Daylight Mobile has it uh, the near mobile game has it like so many games have the my wife's Bitmoji oh, game I think God. has it like it is it uh, it's just one of those things where like I it's, think when you come from the outside yeah you're like whoa whoa yeah this is, and and honestly that. When I was not used to it, I was like, <laughs> fuck this. And it still sucks. <laughs> but just because I've been so... Beaten over the head Beaten over it, the yeah. head with it. It's just, I, it's just like whatever at this point. Like you, you, It is amazing what you get used to. I just don't think those were in any of the Nintendo mobile games I played. And like that's some of those... Pre- Remember the controversy when they just like charged you an upfront cost for Mario Run? Oh, yeah. That <laughs> was like... Well, that, that was like a big misstep out of the gate for them with that. But ironically enough, like that was one of the games my like, nephew was still playing. But yeah, he had Mario Kart Tour on there. And I was watching him play. And then I watched him play Mario Kart on Switch as well. And... The analog controls, like it's just foreign to them about analog controls. Like they they loved Mario Run, Super Mario Run, but then when they played Super Mario Three D World or Super Mario Odyssey, they would always run off the edge because like they're not they're like where's the touch? I'm like oh, I was like now I understand some of Nintendo's design design philosophies with some of their games because the game they had the most fun with was Kirby <laughs> because you can't fall off the edges and stuff. It's like literally you can't die in that game. I'm like okay, I get it now. It's like now I know now I like it's a little eye opening, but. And back to the the Nintendo strategy, I I do think they have a very specific way they like to make their games, and 
I do believe the argument that they were just like not happy with the direction that mobile is going, and that's not something they want to keep pushing forward because they 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 pride themselves on their game design. Whether or not not all their games are gems, but they definitely at least want to put out a quality product. And I think from the very get go, it didn't seem like it made a lot of sense because they like you said the the pricing thing with Super Mario Run. It's like they like setting games at a price and selling them. They like the valuing their IPs. Like that's why their games always stay at full price forever. Before they nearly, like almost never go on sale. They do go on sale eventually. Um, that's just like who they are. And I feel like mobile for them has always been about being on a dedicated like their own hardware. Not the, the yeah. Like it just seems like the they they struggle. They have struggled to fully grasp how to t- capitalize on the mobile market other than pushing people to their games mm-hmm. and that then you know is that really worth their their time to keep doing mm-hmm. that I, I feel like that's so funny that you say that because I feel like Pokemon is like nah son we got like five games on mobile and it doesn't seem like we're gonna stop you know? <laughs> yeah, the Pokemon, that's a Pokemon company right 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 I'm just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know yeah, it, yeah. it they're they in see, bed with they, each other. They, yeah, right? like is it just send someone over there and talk to them because like they get it, like yeah. they know what to do, but like they just sometimes they don't communicate with each other. I guess I don't know what it is, but yeah, it doesn't seem like the Pokemon company is going to retreat anytime soon from 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 mobile. But Nintendo proper, I just yeah, it's it's always been a, a weird thing. I mean, I was I, I like Fire Emblem Heroes. I was glad, but I same thing. I always argued it was a good gateway game. If you like that game. They should point you to try out the newer games, especially when Fire Emblem Three Houses came out. Like there should be something in that game that says, "Go try out Fire Emblem Three Houses." Like if you want like a more developed, fleshed out experience, this is where you can go and pay Nintendo sixty dollars yeah, for it. I want there to be warnings on on game boxes now, where it's like, <laughs> "Warning: You can fall off the edge in this game." Yes, I want. Yeah, like that would be so amazing. Like it, it, and I want an accolade too on Kirby. <laughs> yeah. like, best game you cannot fall off on. Well, it for sure does not work the other way because like I've tried I've tried jumping into Fire Emblem Heroes like three separate times because I love Three Houses mm-hmm. and every time I'm just like yeah oh no 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 <laughs> not doing that Isla I bet you would sing a tune if you could see how sick some of those outfits are <laughs> I mean maybe it just takes hey, time to get to them look up oh God. look up you got some time. Look up to some Fire Emblem Heroes outfits. All right, hang on. She does. She does not. Yeah, not, not, not that, <laughs> I'm doing a lot right not now. Not that bit, but this makes me like want to like rip my hair out. That they'll do stuff like that for Heroes and like Mario Kart Tour specifically. The constant stream of updates. But then Mario Kart 8, we finally like get like the DLC pack. Like how long later? It's like all people wanted were like, give me and new at once. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and we still got cosmetics, new cosmetic outfits. And it's like you only get those Mario Kart tour. It's like everyone's like, please Nintendo, just do this. And like, nah, you got to play your mobile game. It's like their decision making sometimes. Like trying to understand their mind is just lesson in futility. Yo, I'm downloading Heroes again. <laughs> oh no! What did I tell you? Oh, oh, no. What did I tell you? Oh. I might download Heroes again. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's do it, man. <laughs> I, I put a lot of time into Heroes. Uh, speaking of microtransactions, now a word from our sponsors. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. That sounds very enticing. I think I pay like $150 a month. I think I'm paying for my phone as part of that, but still, it's a lot. 
For people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. How does that work? Is that hard? If that's real, that sounds fun. With Mint Mobile, choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you never use. I use a lot of data. I wonder how much I could save because I think I burn through like gigs a month. <laughs> Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash allies. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T, Mary Intelligent Nancy Tomatoes, mintmobile.com slash allies. Those are the official military alphanumerics, by the way. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash allies. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point of our academic careers. In my high school, we had Spanish or German. That was it. Those are the choices. And because my last name is German and like my family, you know, in the 1800s or whatever came over from Germany, I was like, okay, I'll learn German. Because then if I ever like try to find like ancestors or something, I could talk to them. I probably should have learned Spanish because I live in Los Angeles and it would come way more in handy. Going to Cologne for Gamescom, I guess German was helpful because I could say, Ich bin allergisch gegen Milchprodukte, so I wouldn't get sick eating things, but whatever. Now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. I've been trying to learn Norwegian because my girlfriend is from Norway, and I have a habit of trying to learn the languages of where my girlfriends are from. <laughs> um, I remember a little bit of Chinese, but not much. Well, I need, I remember that. That's I love you. Um... Anyway, that's I love you in Norwegian. I like trying to learn languages, but Babbel makes it easier. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. That's true. They don't mess around with this stuff. You have to get it right. Like, I've used Duolingo as well, and I feel like sometimes it's just like, if you make any noise close to that, it, it works. This one 
It really is listening. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can pro- access podcast games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months, if my math and what I'm reading and the thing that they wrote for me to say is correct. Six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code ALLIES. That's B-A-B-B-E-L, baby, apple, baby, baby, elephant, L, (laughs) dot com, code ALLIES, Babbel. Language for life. Uh, it's funny that we got into all this uh, microtransaction talk and everything on the last topic because uh, we have more to go with uh, Gran Turismo 7 uh, getting review bombed right now over a few different things. Uh, but currently a 1.5 on Metacritic, uh, the lowest of any first-party Sony title. Uh, so there's two sort of parts to this. Part one... The game was offline for more than 24 hours, Uh, and uh, if you checked out my review, you probably saw that uh, this game requires you to be online to play any of the campaign, uh, or to save progress. Very cool. So people just could not play the game for more than a day, because basically what happened is they put out a patch... And then they realized that there was an issue with the patch. I might have actually seen this issue. I don't know if it was with this patch or if it was like I got an even more rare occurrence. But basically, I had a point when like the game crashed on me. And then when I was trying to reboot the game, everything was going in like ultra slow motion. So like the PlayStation logo that would come up would be like you could see like the shades of it getting lighter. Like once every like three seconds, there would be a lighter shade. And so it would have taken, I don't know, five minutes for it to have gotten to the title screen. The only way I ended up fixing it was to, like, go to Returnal and play Returnal for a second. And then when I came back to Gran Turismo, uh, it worked. Yes, the Returnal bypass. I'm so actually I, kind of into <laughs> the idea of Returnal fixing problems. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they, so they realized there was something wrong with 1.07. So during the planned maintenance downtime, they decided, okay, we're just going to keep it in maintenance until we can put out the new patch. And so that's why it took so long, is that they just like kept it shut down on purpose. Um, but again, you couldn't play the game. Part two of this is once the patches were implemented, people saw that uh, they had reduced the winnings for a number of races that they had been using to farm for credits because already you've got cars that are in there that are like, 12 million credits, and so your options are, okay, well, either I grind on these races for 20 hours, or I spend $120 for microtransactions to get this car. And so to turn around, and rather than, like, making that better, to, like, reduce some of these race credits by half (laughs) in certain cases. There are actually a couple that they increased. There were, like, two or three that they increased. But most of them went down by down. like 10% or 25% or, or, or 50%. And so, yeah. It, and, and some of the things they said that is weird, it's like they seem to not want you to have to rely on microtransactions. But they also seem to not want people to farm. But like the only answer to that is like, well, we've got more content on the way. And like, but you, you don't have it now. So what good does that do to the person that wants these cars right, right now? Yeah. 
I just uh, Gran Turismo is a, is a gigantic name. It's, we're talking first party Sony here. How could they be like? Yes, people will clearly be satisfied with this. This is this is this is this will make people happy. Like I just or, I don't get how these decisions. Or worse, they just didn't think about this happening. Like they were like whatever you said, like the the, the maintenance thing. Like maybe like they're trying to do two things at once, and no one was there. Just like said like hey, stop. Yes, Stop. you got to fix this, but do you realize after you do this really long maintenance where no one can play the campaign, you're also going to hit them with this double whammy? Like, you know, that that happens sometimes, I think. Maybe not in this situation, but geez, like, yeah, sometimes you just have to, like, stop and like double check things and like or just show somebody else it like you know we were talking about like pokemon and nintendo and mobile like since someone talk to each other there and it's like you maybe you could have avoided this but the same time man like grant uh sorry not, i was supposed to say gta gran turismo being having these kinds of troubles just you know doesn't seem like something you expect for such like a big flagship title from 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 Sony especially like a, a car game yeah i get there would probably be microtransactions but man they seem to be really stumbling doesn't seem like uh what was the other Sony one on PS4 drive not driver uh, drive club drive club yeah not quite that level yet but like you know it'd be nice to avoid having you know their flagship title well, kind of one of the problematic that, like that yeah one of the things that people have pointed out too is that in GT Sport on PS4 you could just Buy cars for mm-hmm. like ninety nine cents or five dollars. You just you know, okay, you want you want that car, you want it quicker. Okay. Yeah, very you, reasonable. You can, you can pay for it, but in uh, in Gran Turismo Seven, it's like it's all currency, and the only way that you can buy cars is to buy currency. And top up, yeah, yeah, top up on the PlayStation. Store. <sighs> yeah, it sounds like they need to make an adjustment to like the and value you can't of sell currency, cars, which I yeah I pointed out too. So it's like you get a lot of gift cars through the campaign. You might not want, but you can't. You can't get credits for those. I just, oh, I see. Yeah, I just figured it out. I. This is it. This is the analogy for modern gaming. I feel like modern gaming is like an actual trap from the Saw movie franchise, <laughs> where it's like, you can get out alive. You can enjoy the thing. It might be really, really good. But you gotta like stick your hand in the needles and get poked. Like it's it's just like, man. Like because I I played some a little bit of Gran Turismo Seven uh, at the beginning and I was so into it. Uh, and I just I've been meaning to get back to it. I'm excited about it. I want to play that game. And I just feel like with all of this stuff, it, again, it's like that saw trap where it's like if I want to enjoy this, I've gotta find a way to get this bear trap off my head. Well, it's a strange thing to me, too, because, you know, again, having played through that whole campaign and have, you know, there's still a lot of things that I haven't done. It always amazes me when people are like, we've done everything. I'm like, how? What? Okay. Um, but it, it, it really, it, it's one of those things where it's about that, I almost in a way, it's about that sort of completionist mentality, right? That's like, oh, no, I want everything, or at least I want that specific car, because if, if all you really want to do is... is Play through the game and 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 uh, and then hop online. Like a lot of these things aren't really necessarily going to affect you because like you're not worried about saving 12 million credits. You're just like, oh, you know, I'm happy with the cars I've got. But that's yeah, but- not that's not really the case. But it's it's weird to me that like this idea of rarity that like he wants to tie the the rarity of a car in the game, including among like the entire player base. It seems like to how rare they are in the real world. And that just seems weird. Yeah, but, but think about, like, the, the audience that 
Grinchismo is directly and deliberately pandering to. You can go to the cafe and hear an old Japanese man <laughs> tell you about the history of a car, right? Like, they're, they're, they're directly preying upon that passion for cars and that exhaustedness for cars. So, like, yeah, people are really going to want to dive into this stuff and, and probably get as many cars as they can and, and do all of that stuff. So, like, this is, I feel like, directly hurting your most passionate fan base. Yeah, I feel like there's better ways to achieve even what you were saying there with like the the rarity of some cars and like whether it's for collectability or for like bragging rights because obviously like just like in the real world you know you know this very well I mean certain cars have very limited production runs and like only like super wealthy people get to get to enjoy them so in the game like they're like yeah we want the super like rich in game people to like be able to buy these first so they could like show them off for bragging rights but feels like it'd be like this is the age old thing that always like bugs me I just wish games would go back to a way to rewarding you for like actually putting in like work or time or like you actually have like the skill to earn something like achievements and trophies. My dream was always like those things are going to unlock really cool things that like you're going to get. And now it's like, no, there's all superficial. All the cool stuff is behind pay. I was like, no, come on. Like they don't do that anymore. Like, like we're like best genre. was like fighting games, like unlocking hidden characters and all that stuff. And now it's Bro, like, that shit don't happen the, the, no more. Not, <laughs> like, not, ever since Capcom put it on a disc, but didn't let you access it. It's like been all downhill from there. <laughs> I just bought a $15 character pack for King of Fighters 15 yep. today. Day. <laughs> One of the things yeah. that's, uh, that's in there too, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they do have kind of like loot box style, like roulette tickets that you get through the oh, campaign. Oh, yes, roulette tickets. Um, and, but it's so funny because like they, they seem like very geared to not giving you anything that you want. Perfect. Yeah, like, because real life. like, because uh, on the, the wheel, you know, when, when the thing starts spinning, you know, there will usually be, you know, a few like different amounts of credits, there'll be some parts, just some parts for very specific cars that you might not <laughs> own, and then there'll be, like, one car. Dude, that's that's straight up a carny game right. where they entice you with, like, a big stuffed animal that you want, but you're gonna... The game is rigged for you to lose. Yeah. I got... Yeah. And that whole campaign, I think I got one car. And the great thing was it's a car I needed. It was a Group B rally car, but it was, like... They got you hooked. I want you to come back to it. No, sorry, those vouchers the, for the roulette things—they cost like you can't buy them. It's okay, just, it's just one of the because I was going to give them. I was going to give more bad ideas here. I mean, they just need to add the casino expansion pack to this, where you go in there and you spend your currency on a chance to win a car, and you buy more currency, like on those like the was it the Vegas vacation style? Like you put in like a ticket or whatever, try and win it. You keep losing, and the only way to get that car is if you gamble in that casino there. So there you go. No. Okay, Damiani. If you could go into a smoky Tokyo casino <laughs> in Grand Turismo 7, okay, now, I would love okay, that. Yeah, like, like the, dra- the Dragon that. Quest Eleven casino. <laughs> it's like, here we go. Um, yeah, like uh, it, you said, like the vouchers, like very specific car parts. Man, it even sucks that they don't even just like give you like, it's like maybe it's a a type of car part, but like the voucher will work on any car for right. like an engine. It's like, oh, an engine for any car of your choosing, just, re- you know, choose it on that car. So like making that specific, man, that's so granular. That That is really like we collect-a-thon crap like there where it's like, oh man, you were like, we're going to make it really hard to complete this game. And uh, I hate that way. I hate that way of extending longevity in a game. Like the artificially padded is to do that type of stuff. It's like, that's not enjoyable for anyone. Like, like, and there are so many examples out there of ways to do it better. And they just, I don't know what the reasoning was for this, honestly, because you said you were kind of like, not sure why 
they, they, they wanted to do it this way. Yeah, I mean, part of what it sounds like is that, you know, they've tuned their economy to be part of like the you know their long-term live service plans right and so it's like no 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 we don't expect people to do all this right now but no people just want to play the game and get through everything and so it's just that that clash of ideals but i think the other thing like going back to the beginning and putting those two things together the thing that that bugs me is that the the only reason i can see for the always online requirement is to keep people from somehow like cheating and to, giving themselves yeah, a bunch of credits. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, like, who cares? Yeah. It's like, just play play your game. Man, I really this hope they like rectify that. This is, like, a major reason why cheating happens. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this, this is, yeah, this is... There are people that are, like, program bots or something, I think, somehow, it's to, like, to play the game now. It's like, yeah. who cares? Like, <laughs> So they get their credits. He said it doesn't even affect anyone. Like, it's, you know, it just unlocks cars. It doesn't, like, buy you any competitive advantage. So it's like... The people are going to pay. We're going to pay anyway. The people aren't like they're still going to find a way to like figure it out, or just they're just not even going to bother to engage in it. Like, just doesn't make sense. But I don't know. Brilliant idea for them, you know. It sucks because you two were so high on this game. Like, I mean, this, this, I mean, still, this doesn't diminish anything about the game. Right. Let, me, yeah. let me clarify. That, like, that's what like, I mean, though. Is so it's good. like, yeah. yeah. But just like literally pumps the brakes on the momentum this game yeah. had from yeah. like all its pre-release hype and the reviews. Everyone just wants to be like, let me play my fun, cool driving game. That's all anybody wants. Yeah, sometimes you don't need to have like post-release plans or whatever. You know, sometimes a one and done is perfectly fine for a I game. I mean, I think they do need to have plans, but the, the, like adjust your economy as you introduce things. Not, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not just leave people stuck. Again, like grinding the same races like fifteen times to to get the one car that they want. I do wonder. I, I'd be curious to see if like. I wonder if because this is coming from such a beloved first party title, like it's definitely getting blowback and it's definitely getting talked about. But I wonder if this was coming from like EA or Ubisoft, if the mm. if the blowback would be even more severe. You know, just because I think they are understandably like more common punching bags. Sure. Uh, and we'll 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 leave it here to look to the future, as uh, Kazunori Yamochi said in his blog post, <laughs> addressing all these things. Uh, we would really appreciate it if everyone could watch over the growth of Gran Turismo Seven from a somewhat longer term point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that, yeah, sorry. That is classic. Developers are not getting the feedback. Like, I mean, they're getting it, but they don't understand the feedback they're getting. Yeah. Like, they they they're they're stuck and they want you to play a certain way. Where the community is clearly saying, "Just do this, and we'll support your game." No, we have a vision. It's like, just no. If you if you want to do a game as a service or have updates, sorry, community feedback. The ones who are going to be paying you, you need to kind of keep them happy. You know who's so, gotten a lot of community feedback? Oh yeah. CD Projekt Red. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, who has an- announced that a new Witcher saga is in the works. So it's a saga. Yeah. Okay, because they just said it's not five, right? Or four, sorry, four. Right, it's not four. well, yeah, they haven't, they haven't put a name on it. Uh, and we're they look really like they're just like planning stages, hiring stages. Oh, right? perfect. The planning stages. We're so, announcing the planning stages. But uh, So what they've announced is featuring an image of a Lynx medallion in the snow. 
which is significant because nowhere in the books or in the games is there a Witcher school that's represented by a lynx. So like they're okay. creating a whole okay. new thing. Okay, I'll get people talking. Yeah, um, and then the other big thing that I think is is very interesting in light of Cyberpunk is that they're going to be partnering with Epic and using Unreal, Unreal. Engine Five. So they're ditching their in-house Red Engine, uh, which you know we've seen all the you know the fun glitch videos and everything. Uh, I, crap, I've made fun glitch videos <laughs> out of uh, Cyberpunk. Uh, and uh, the quote here is, It is vital for CD Projekt Red to have the technical direction of our next game decided from the earliest possible phase. Uh, as in the past, we spent a lot of resources and energy to evolve and adapt Red Engine with every subsequent game release. This cooperation is so exciting because it will elevate development predictably and, and predictability and efficiency while simultaneously granting us access to cutting-edge game development tools. Uh, so they talked about not just doing a standard like licensing deal with yeah. Epic. It sounds like they're probably going to be working with Epic to like take Unreal Engine five yeah. as it is and sort of customize it to their needs. So this seems so important, and this seems like the thing, like the age-old story of so many development teams just being stymied by their their, their in-house engines. Like the mo- the most famous one of the the years of past was the was Square Enix using Crystal Tools and the, their own engines, and then finally embracing Unreal for like Kingdom Hearts three for Final Fantasy seven remake, and it was turning out just fine. And and and, and I would even argue like even Battlefield with, with, like or EA with Dice um, or Frostbite, Frostbite yeah. geez, yeah, yeah. Dice with Frostbite, them potentially might be able to like solve some of their development woes if they would just embrace something that's more widely used that has a little bit better support. Because how much time does I understand the benefits of it, but how many time and resources are put into that? Which could be put into making the game potentially better. I don't. I don't, right. I don't know if they're all the same people that would necessarily be working on the game, but it seems like so many troubled, high-profile games that have had this issue. When they switch over to like a, like an Unreal Engine, it seems those problems seem to like go away. And I, yeah. I like I. Th- this seems like it can only be good. I know people making fun of this announcement because like, haha, announcement of announcement. One like we're seeing this game in ten years or something. But that right there, the Unreal Five thing seems like. The most important thing to take out of this. I I completely agree with you, Damiani, but I hope, just based on the examples that you mentioned, that this is a lesson that is being learned. (laughs) That's true. And so that hopefully these engine problems across the entire game industry will hear these stories less and less. Mm Mm-hmm. Good point, because I mean, they, they, I mean, they wouldn't. I don't think they'd just be saying this is saying this, but like, they need to prove themselves with the next game, even just 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 using Unreal Engine five and having this in, like that, that they're saying the right things with that. But man, like, it's the, the you know they better fully realize that potential because after coming off like Cyberpunk, it's like you you really need to get this right. And, we, and this is the expected move. We all knew it was going to be like a Witcher game to follow up with this. It's going to be there's it, supposedly still some Cyberpunk multiplayer thing out there too. I don't know when that's happening. Sure. Yeah, it's still in the same world. And like and they still have ways to go to rehabilitating the the Cyberpunk game's image, but this is something I think that really can turn around for them. Like, yeah, they they've had like a lot of rough times. They've had a lot of bad PR. A lot of it was all a lot of it was self inflict. Almost all of it was self inflicted. But I mean, there's nothing to say that they can't like learn from their things. But as Ben said, like, I think they have a history of saying the right things after they make a mistake to uh, to try and like like assure people. But then it like hasn't followed like with Cyberpunk, it hasn't like kind of like they haven't followed through on it quite. You know to satisfactory levels. So 
a lot of eyes are going to be on this to make sure, you know, to see that like this could be the turning point because if they, I mean, it's obvious as hell. If they get this wrong too. Like, I don't know what's yeah, going to happen I mean, with them. That's the thing. Like, yeah. Cyberpunk is at least like it's a different franchise. Yeah. You know, there are people like us that are very well aware of the developers, but a lot of people like to them, it's just an, a new big game. Whereas like Witcher, like it just gone from strength to strength to strength. You know, it's like you know the, the first game yeah. had its issues, but it was good, and then the second game was way better, and then the third game was way better than the second game. And you know, and now it's it's still pretty high place with the TV show. Yeah. The the, the other thing, yeah. So that's actually something I wanted to comment on. I had a very like a, a moment over the holiday break where I was like, "Whoa!" Like it really caught me off guard because I was talking um, to the the husbands of some of my wife's friends, and they were talking about The Witcher, and they were like super into the TV show. And uh, one of the guys was like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to the audiobooks. I'm like, oh, cool. Have you played the games? And they were like, no. And, like, I, I don't think that is that is weird in a vacuum. It's just coming from, like, this side, I, I just, like, oh, I can't imagine having, like, no experience. But I bet that's actually probably true for so many people where, like, Witcher is just this giant brand. It's not mm-hmm. just the video games, uh, especially anymore with uh, the Netflix exactly. show. Exactly. That up the opportunity they're going to have with the next one is going to be huge because there's going to be so much more awareness. Like those people who those friends that have not even touched it, they yeah. might see the the, the 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 new entry for this and be like, "Holy crap!" Like that's like a it's a watershed moment for them for to jump into that game. But the flip side, if it's not good, like this brand's being built up, you know, mm-hmm. that might cause like that's another thing that could backfire on them as well as like that branding might be potentially. I don't know how the contract is. They could be have it stripped from them. It's like, hey, you guys, like you're damaging this brand. I think potentially. the project or the contract's probably pretty ironclad, but I don't okay. know the details. They seem to have a lot of freedom to do what the heck but, they want. Yeah, these games have been like steadily improving, and they have such a reputation. The one thing I will say is the thing I keep constantly hearing about these games is that the hopefully the combat is very good in the, in the, in the next installment. I've heard like the combat is the weakest part of the yeah, it's, games? it's very not not as bad. It's just it's not, very. I don't know if unique is the right word, but it, it, it's very going for a certain thing that doesn't always click with people. And like, okay, you know, and for, for me personally, it's like it took a while of even playing it to like, oh, the, okay, I, now I like now I actually now it clicks with me. Now I get it. But you know, like other people, you know, it just doesn't. It just never does. <laughs> or you know, like I remember Huber and Brad. It's just like they just mashed their way through it and they didn't worry about too much about some of the the other factors so it can be and it can be a little okay. overwhelming with some of the things that they they try to do in there that are cool ideas in terms of like potions and and spells and all of that but it's 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 still it's weird because it's it feels it's like this it feels like this in-between place between like um like more straight up rpg system and an action rpg system so it's kind of weird middle ground and that's what i mean about like okay. whether it clicks or not because like if you play it expecting like fully action-oriented combat, it's it's going to feel a little off. Do you think they'll maybe... Whereas it's more, you know, it's, yeah. where it's not, but it's not quite like a, you know, like a Diablo or like a other type of action RPG either. Do you expect them to, uh, I mean, I think, do you expect them to tinker with it a bit for the next I, yeah, one? I think, yeah, I think that's, it's been enough time. Okay. And, and so many people have left that company, like, you know, since that time that it's pretty much a pretty... Yeah, I like there's there's a lot of new people in there at this point and they're hiring for this game. I think I think really the only question that matters is will there be a Soul Calibur character or a, a, a Witcher character <laughs> in the new Soul Calibur? For sure. Yeah. Well, and the question of okay, this you know, 
this links this new saga this very clear ending to Geralt's story in Witcher 3 you know like will well, Geralt be a part of this at all watch uh, them like tie it into the Netflix show Right. I mean, like, I assume that this won't be called Witcher 4 because of exactly what you were talking about. Like, those those Witcher Netflix guys who were like, oh, I haven't played the games. Like, they can jump in on something called the Witcher, yeah. the Lynx oh, Trials, yeah, not the Witcher the... 4. No, but know? like, what if you unlock cosmetics if your Netflix account finishes oh, <laughs> an episode of The Witcher? Dude, like Netflix drops? Netflix drops? Hey. Like, it's going to happen. I, yes. It, yeah, yes. yes. Guaranteed. The wheels are turning, It's going to happen. Yeah. In term, like, Witcher is also pretty revered, especially the third one for its, it's like world design mm-hmm. um, and its, quest, it's, its questing. I mean, but it's been a while. I mean, do you think it's going to be a pretty tall order for them to deliver something on par with what they had in the past, especially so many games that have come out that have, like, really pushed the envelope? There's definitely been a lot of games that have l- learned from it. Um, I think it's still like, you know, it's the the side quests and stuff still really stack up well to anything that's out today. Uh, but again, it's it's you know with the staff turnover and stuff, I, I think there's some challenge there. But you know, for all of Cyberpunk's issues, like the side quests and the attachment you get to characters, absolutely is still a strength of that that team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they can get there on that. But, you know, similarly, <laughs> Cyberpunk's weakness is probably combat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. You're totally right, though, because, like, my favorite stories in Cyberpunk and Witcher 3, what I played of it, which is, like, 20 hours, which is, for that game, not much. But the side stories were so good. Like, they're really good at those little compact things. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I think that, you know, Siri could still be, you know, that was the thing we, we thought that, you know, when Witcher 3 ended, it was like, okay, next game we'll probably focus on Siri, but the Lynx medallion makes it like, well, this could be them starting a new school. Like, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe Geralt is like the old man trainer. I don't know. Batman Beyond style. Right. Yeah. That would be kind of fun, actually. Man. Um, or maybe, you know, Siri starting her own school. or Even knows? more fun. Who knows? Also this week, uh, there have been a lot of reports of oppressive workplaces at various indie studios, including uh, Moon Studios, who did Ori, uh, Mountains, who did Florence, Fulbright, uh, which has been talked about before with Gone Home and Tacoma, as well as uh, Phenomena with uh, Watam and uh, Robin Haneke. Uh, didn't really have the space or... <laughs> To really like dive into all of this stuff, uh, but uh, People Make Games uh, did a great forty-minute uh, video that kind of oh, uh. really like I think does a good job of talking about the issues without being like finger wagging kind of uh, attitude. And it's, so it's really interesting to to watch through there and get the full context of like how the employees feel and um, and again just a lot of it going back to like these indie companies having like a very clear figurehead who uh, just sort of makes it feel like everything that you do isn't good enough um, and having to sort of like wrestle through all of that without like a proper HR department or anything. Yeah. That one's rough because like Ori specifically. Yeah. So, so emotionally attached to those two games and 
you know, there's people saying, well, like, what if you like something's easy if you don't like a franchise? Yeah. It's like yeah. that one. It's like it's even more probably than ever Harry Potter. It's like that one. I'm like more like emotionally was involved in when I was playing them. And now like there's this taint around it. It's like I don't know what it would feel like to like go back and like revisit those games. Like is it going to like be painful as I'm not going to be interested in it? And it's like obviously the people who work there, you know, like the ones who have been the victims, you know, want them to be heard and like. Would like to hear what they have, you know, made that, as a video maybe points out because, like, if they still want you to support the game, it's yeah. like that's I mean, I definitely like, get yeah. that vibe. It's like yeah. they don't want these things to overshadow. And, like, and Robin yeah. Honeykey is actually one of the ones that's like, it, it's kind of hard because it's like she has actually been, you know, a very forward facing voice for, you know, confronting these issues and the, you know, the talks and things that she's given. And then it seems like with people that are actually working with her, they they kind of have like a different side of of her personality. Yeah, I think it's so important to remember too, because like you're saying, like this one person, even in like feels like almost always, even in even in the indie space, that a game is never just a product of a single person. There are exceptions, but a majority of games, it's not one person's just labor love or they're the one works. It's a labor love from a lot of different people coming together. So while you might see a name stamped on a game and that's what we might get excited for, like Hideo Kojima game, it's like still so many countless people work on that game. And it's like, remember, yeah, human beings worked on this game. They put their like blood, sweat and tears into it and like, you know, have like the respect and compassion for them as well because they're also dealing with all this crap on top of it too. Yeah. Uh, Sony acquired Haven Studios, uh, which is Jade Raymond's uh, studio uh, that's creating a AAA multiplayer game. Uh, it sounds like it's actually ahead of schedule. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not super surprising because they were founded with some investment uh, by Sony to begin with. So it just sounds like, yeah, they kind of had like a test run and everything is operating smoothly. And Sony's like, all right, cool. Very uh, interested to see what this is. Yeah, yeah. I am too. Uh, I hope she finally gets to put a game out. (laughs) I feel like she keeps getting on board with stuff that, like, fails and then she has to go somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Netflix announced Tekken Bloodline, a new anime series coming out. I've not watched the trailer for this yet. I need to do that. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed to spring 2023 and not a single person is surprised. (laughs) I really, I want to play that game so badly. Uh, This is, it's a bummer. At least... (laughs) Gotham Knights is October. Yeah. Uh, For now. Sierra Online founders <laughs> Ken and Roberta Williams got bored during the pandemic and they're making their first game in over 20 years. So uh, I love it. So funny. I it, wish I could be that productive when I'm bored. <laughs> it is a 3D and VR version of Colossal Cave Adventure, which is the game that inspired them to start making games. Uh, and uh, it's going to come out this fall. And, uh, you know, it, it looks like a game that come from somebody that just learned Unity, but uh, I think it's it's <laughs> brutal. Cool. No, I, I mean it's just like it doesn't look terrible, but it looks like yeah, this is like a very small like <laughs> team that uh, that hasn't hasn't been working with these I, these tools. I say this purely as a joke. No one took this seriously, but it's it's difficult to imagine like the game that inspired them. It's like. Were you playing it with like sticks and stone? Like it was, it was, it was <laughs> all text. It's all it was text. text adventure. Yeah. Uh, if you want, yeah, the Netflix connection here. Uh, go watch High Score. <laughs> One of the episodes, like beginning of it, is literally <laughs> about this. This the thing that inspired them and like how the two of them came together to, to work on this game. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of that's in the trailer as well. Yeah, like that's the awesome. trailer is more about like their whole history and you know because they don't 
They don't assume that people know, know who they are. They're pretty. They're pretty humble in that way. They're absolutely. They're really I nice, meant that joke yeah. in the the. I, it was truly just a joke. It doesn't look that bad. Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to say it looks bad, but it doesn't look like, you know, whatever. Uh, Inscription is the first game to win the grand prize at both the GDC Awards and the IGF Awards. Nice. uh, Which happened this week. Uh, And Yuji Horii was given GDC's Lifetime Achievement Award. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And as we mentioned uh, earlier, we're talking about Kirby. Kirby games are easy because the developers don't want to see Kirby get hurt. Yeah, that was great. God, that thing. Sorry, the one thing about the newest one, Mm -hmm. camera angle. Oh, yeah. The thing about camera angle. So depending on what your camera – that's why it has a lot of fixed camera angles because while the perspective will make it look like Kirby is hitting an enemy, when they shift the camera, tilt it like overhead, it's not actually making – it's not connecting with the enemy, but that perspective. As long as the perspective you're seeing looks like it hits, they count it. And I'm like, just – they like that. They just want to make it easier for you. I was like, that's kind of genius, but... Yeah, it, it is pretty genius. <laughs> now I understand why they don't have 3D camera yeah. controls in that game. I was like, ah, I get it. I mean, you can tilt the controller, uh, the camera a little bit, but it's not like full spin around. Can't fall off the edge. That's right, can't fall Put off the edge. Put on the box. And die. <laughs> Let's play a game. All right. Uh, speaking of Kirby, from highly anticipated, uh, with the release of Kirby and the Forgotten Land... Uh, I present a game, Copycat Kirby. For each question uh, involving multiple choice answers, I will say a copy ability and name four different enemies. However, only one is a real enemy from the Kirby series. Several enemies throughout the series may have the same copy ability, but uh, only one correct answer will be provided. I'm going to do so bad. Th- this is hard because so I've poorly. played a lot of Kirby, but I don't know the names of the enemies. Yeah. I don't play this a lot of Kirby, harder, and I yeah, really don't know their names. I've never played a Kirby game, King DDD. What? All right, so the first one is the hammer, uh, which is, you know, Kirby uses a wooden mallet. Okay, mm-hmm. I can guess. Is it A, top-heavy, B, bonkers, C, steely, or D, ham slam? Wow. I want to say Waddle D, but that's even a choice. I have no idea. So wait, we have the ability name, and we're trying to guess the enemy name. You're trying to yeah. guess the enemy that you get that ability oh, I from. Feel so yeah. bad. B <laughs> for bad. It's B. It's okay. Bonkers. Wait. Uh, get, let everybody before you say okay, the characters. Okay, okay, let okay. everybody. Uh, let everybody get in. Yeah. B. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna guess B. That's why I'm salty. Uh, two is uh, stone. Uh, Kirby turns into a rock and is impervious to most damage. That's also, down B in Smash Brothers. Also, a cool thing with that, with a lot of Kirby games, is that they Kirby will turn into various things, like statues and stuff. Oh. And there's some in, like, Kirby Superstar. I forget exactly what they are. I think, like, Samus or something. Like, But there's, like, a very low percentage chance of getting some, like, very special oh, stuff. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Cool. Like, live from King of Fighters. And so I remember there was one time in GT where we had to get footage. <laughs> and so I'm just, like, there just doing the stone over and over again. Until you were getting we get stoned? <laughs> Blood We knew it. We got it. We knew we it. We got it. <laughs> so anyways. F-Zero. Who gives you the stone ability? Is it A, Rocky, B, Minor Earl, C, Gravel, or D, Pop Rock? I'll go with D. Same again. A, Rocky, B, Minor Earl, C, Gravel, D, Pop Rock. Gravel? I feel like Minor Earl is the most creative name there. 
it would be hard to come up with on the fly, so I'm going to go B. It is A, Rocky. Wow. Dang, that seemed too obvious. The only one we didn't choose. <laughs> Three, sword. The classic sword when Kirby oh. looks like Link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you get that from A, the slicer knight, B, the metal knight, C, the blade knight, or D, fight knight? I think it's C. C. It is C. C. Ben got that out first. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to wait for Isla. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Isla, it's C. <laughs> C. Bloodworth, C. Final answer. Chat, it was C. Four, the bomb. Oh. Uh, uh, NFL Blitz. <laughs> they're in Forgotten Land. A, Blast Toys. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> not, not that one. Toys. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait a minute. Yes. B, Boom Boom. Oh. C, Diana Might. Oh, my God. Or D, Poppy Brothers Jr. Oh, I think it's I think it's D. I'll go I with really C. want I'll it to be C. I'll go with C. I'll say B. It's D. Yeah! yeah. That one I knew. That one I actually knew, yeah. Good drag queen name, the C. Five, Minnie. Kirby turns tiny but is unable to attack. Uh, I don't remember this what? at all. Is it A, small so? B, tiny tuna? C, Slim Tim, or D, Mini? D. A. Please be B. It's D, Isla. Woo, Ooh. I got one. Mini turns you mini. Slim Tim, though, great. Good one. Six, one of my favorite abilities we talked about too recently on the, the podcast. Uh, cook. Kirby cooks his enemy in a giant pot and turns them into actual food. Is it uh, Super Smash Bros. Gruesome. A, Clad Iron Chef. B, filet mignon. Wow. C, Smorlax. Or D, Chef Kawasaki. D. A. Read them one more time. I'm sorry. Clad Iron Chef. Fill A, Minion. C, or Smorlax. Or Chef Kawasaki. I really want it to be B. Yeah, it could be filet mignon. It's D, Chef Kawasaki. Wow. I got that one. Uh, The Whip. Ooh. Do you get that from A, Simon? (laughs) B, Crack Tip? C, Whippy? Or D, Lashes? I know this is wrong, but I am choosing Simon on purpose. (laughs) Uh, I'll go with B again. Lashes? It's Whippy. Whippy! No one got it. Dang. Don't care. You do get it from Simon and Smash Brothers, though, right? Probably. Yeah, probably. probably. Fighter, when Kirby gets the, the martial artist abilities. I think I might know this one. Little too. Mac. Do you get that from A, Knuckle Joe, B, Fisticuff Rodney, C, Sparring Sally, or D, Little Jack? It's Knuckle Joe. I'll say Knuckle Joe. He's yeah, ch- yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Knuckle it's Joe. It's Knuckle Joe, yeah. <laughs> Nine, Ice. Kirby Ooh. can freeze enemies. Is that from Slippery Pete, Chill Axe, Blizzard Sphere Doomer, or Freeze Easy? D? Oh, man. I feel like I should know this one, too. Sorry. Go through them one more time. A, Slippery Pete. B, Chill Axe. It might be Slippery Pete. C, Blizzard Sphere Doomer. Or D, Freeze Easy. I think it's Freeze Easy. I think it's D. Freeze Easy is from... 
Banjo Kazooie. That's why I'm thinking of that name. Freeze Easy Park. I'll go with B. I'm saying with B, maybe. It was C. Oh. Damn it. Wizards Fear Doomer. Oh, what? That was the one I thought it was <laughs> for sure. I'm sure it was yeah. not it. Yeah. That, yeah, I was like, no way is it that one. Okay. So this one's a little this one's a little weird because oh. there are actually two correct answers here. All right. Um, the so one- we'll see if you can get the two. This is ESP. Kirby uses psychokinetic energy and Psychomantis. And can teleport. And by Ness and Lucas. Okay. So there's NESP, Telepathos, Sidekick, and Kind Mind. Oh, oh we have to get the mind? two? Yeah, see if you can figure out the two. NESP and Kind Mind. I think B is one of them. A and B. What, you have your other one? And my second one? Uh, I don't remember what C and D were. C and D were Sidekick and Kind Mind. I think A and B are my two choices. Yep, it's A and B. Yay. Ben, you won overall. Yeah, NESP is apparently... Now I get uh, to review Kirby. An Earthbound reference. Oh, nice. Oh, funny. For, for Ness. It's time for Love and Respect. Love, love and respect. respect. Uh, before we get into first question, a lot of shout-outs this week uh, to Jones. And a lot of well wishes. So I just wanted to recognize that to everyone that gave Jones a shout out. Who's that? <laughs> uh, also, uh, just a note: some people do this thing where they like they'll just type "hold." That actually is counterintuitive for me because a lot of times I'll just I'll see the night before like wh- how far I got through the questions, and then like the next day I'll see that. All right, are there any new ones? But if you put "hold," then I'm like. Wait, who put hold? Like, I have to, like, make notes to write down who put hold before to see if they added anything. So maybe just put, put, hold, you, put your new comment down there. After, put hold more. After. Mess with Bloodworth even more. Uh, but from Rahul Masal, uh, hi, allies. I just found out my friend is starting his third playthrough of Elden Ring while I'm barely halfway through my first. Interestingly, he kept the same playstyle of sorcery each time. I personally also use sorcery, but want to try out incantations the second time around. I'd like to ask what each ally chose for their starting class and what they might pick next time they start a brand new game. I love this question because uh, Elden Ring tormented me. So um, I, I feel like I usually I lean. This isn't exclusively true because like my first Demon Souls playthrough, I was magic. Uh, but I tend to lean with strength. And so I was like, specifically, I want to do magic part part leaning on sorcery and i picked a wretched or i think that's what the the like naked class is called wretch wretch um and i was you can see this happen on stream i just kept finding strength weapons (laughs) like i just i just was not getting it took me forever in that game i think i was probably like 15 hours in, I don't know exactly how long it was before I could even get a staff to cast sorceries. Now mm. I use the the sword. I think it's like the sword of flame and night where its weapon arts are one's a sorcery and one's an incantation. So now I am like a uh, uh, int faith build um, mostly. I was strength and then I, re- re- I respect. But yeah, that's been kind of my journey in Elder Ring. So next time, I think... Just because I haven't like messed with it at all, maybe Dex would be what I would lean to. Uh, it's strength and Dex, and then 
I don't even remember the name of my starting class. I was going to say Vagabond. That's a different game, I think. No, no I think Vagabond is, is one of them. Okay, yeah, I that's, think you're that's, right, that's, yeah. yeah. Then I think it was Vagabond. Um, and I was just like great sword and shield the whole time. I tried out some of the other stuff, but stuck with that. And now, yeah, like third playthrough, I just started my second playthrough, just went dual wielding like great swords. Just oh wow! Was able to pump up my stats enough, and, Fuck, I'm, just, I wanna and I'm just like dual wielding <laughs> and like just jump L one, jump L one, everything dies in one hit. I'm like, yeah, and like bosses just L, and then uh, yeah, man, like the the uh, art of war, uh, any of the blood ones, man, the on uh, because the first sword I used was just one of the starter swords, just like max out and put that ash of war on there, and like just love seeing the HP melt when it the effect kicked in. Now I'm like. When I'm using one post-game sword and one sword from a certain boss, so it's uh, it looks gnarly and cool. But uh, I have enough int and faith and arcane to use almost anything else. Not not everything, but like I just feel like using a different weapon now. It's just nice to have that like the reward for playing the game long enough. Mm. I am a oh oh sorry. I just want to say my least favorite thing in Elden Ring, or one of my least favorite things, is. Being like, oh, that spell takes like five more int than I have. I'm gonna build up to it, and you build up to it, and you're like, man, this spell sucks. (laughs) 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 I am a dex int build. I have two katanas, both with bleed that scale dex and int. It's not the meta. I did it on my own. Fuck you, man. <laughs> which, which site do you want to shout out? Ah, <laughs> I did it on my own. <laughs> no, like apparently the sword that I'm using is 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 you they're know, all meta. strong as well. But here's like, the deal: I, when you've been playing yeah. FromSoft games for a decade, you kind of start to look at the numbers and go, "This is the best Dex Int sword." <laughs> um, but yeah. I use the Moonveil and the Meteoric Ore Blade, and they're sick. And I do jump L1 just like Damiani and kill almost everything right away. And it's really fun. High poise. I just got a thing that increases damage as I keep attacking. It's sick because I don't like blocking. I just dodge and, and strike things. On my Steam Deck, the character I made is a Faith build because I want to use Madness and Pyro stuff. Yeah. But I'm sure it'll end up being a Dex Faith build because <laughs> that's just yeah. I can't not play like that. That's just how yeah, my brain. I mean, whenever works. whenever the website refreshes the meta, I'm sure you'll change yeah. to, to yeah. reflect that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I picked uh, prisoner, so I'm kind of going. Uh, prisoner was mine too. Yeah. Yeah, magic mind. and strength. Um, it's a Dex magic build. Blood. I always. Blood? I always. The Dex. I feel is like you not always do faith. Behind the strength, it was pretty easy to put some points in. Yeah, strength, yeah, too. yeah. I feel like you. You are partial to faith builds. Is that incorrect? Uh, I did faith for three. Uh, I don't think I've done sorcery before, but I can't remember what I did for the Demon Souls remake. I keep racking my brain. Is like, what was my build? I don't remember. But magic and demons is borked. It's yeah, it real is. good. It is. I might have done magic in there, but I feel like just in general in the past, like I wasn't. I was less sorcery, more pyromancy, uh, and then yeah, in three I definitely did like pyromancy and faith. Um, and, but I found the mace, so I'm I'm back on my crazy mace game. Um, <laughs> There's some wild maces in this game, blood. I found. <laughs> I got one that I thought of you. It's ridiculous. Nice, uh, but then I was thinking like. Yeah, if I wanted to do, like, if I, if I had a new character, I would probably, I might, like, lean into the crazy heavy, because I've never done that. Like, anyone that could use, Bro. like, a great shield, that seems wild. That sounds like, because I've always with the been, crazy like, heavy is fun. I've always yeah. been, like, the medium weight, 
you know, it's like I don't, you know, like I want to have some decent armor. So I never like really light, but I I never like having the heavy roll. But it's like, man, if I just like went all out heavy, yeah, what is that like? Um, I I am not. I'm completely naked in that game, and that is. I feel like that's very different than what I typically do, uh, and it's been awesome. Like, yeah, I die in one hit, but I just zip it, zip, 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 zip. From Giant Forty Nine er fan. Uh, hello, allies. I've been having this debate with friends about controller comfortability and our personal preferences. I have two, more like one and a half, quick questions for you that will bring up uh, nostalgia. What are your favorite slash least favorite controllers of all time? And do you prefer the left joystick to be placed higher, uh, i.e. Switch Pro and Xbox, or lower, such as Sony controllers? Uh, I prefer the analog stick higher. So I'm definitely a Xbox Switch preference there. Um, though it doesn't, except for one game, it doesn't really matter, honestly. Um, worst controller. Which one game? Final Fantasy XIV. Because oh. D-pad is party targeting, and I hate it in spot it is. It's like feels weird. Anyway, but a lot of people just play mouse and keyboard, so it doesn't matter. Um, worst controller, ironically, now for me is the NES controller at this at this point in my life. It's mm. so small, and those rough angles those 90 degree angles are so brutal on me like holding it now it's not comfortable whereas like the super nintendo controller like just adding those curves like made all the world a difference to me so uh, the ones i like use a lot i Mm. don't actually like the i mean i'd rather use it uh replica like nes controller over like something else playing nes game but it's just not that comfortable anymore like as a kid i don't remember being a problem but now it's like dude this doesn't feel good man this is a tough question for me when it comes to, like, least favorite controller because, like, as a kid, I just didn't care. Like, I was just happy to be playing in games. So it's, it's hard for me to, like, pick a definitive least favorite. But controllers that I, I – man, I have a lot of strong attachment to many controllers, uh, such as the DualShock, for instance, just, just out of nostalgia. But I feel like the 360 controller is, like, extra special in a weird way because I feel like the 360 controller sort of ushered in this era of just plug it into your PC, it works, bro. Mm, yeah. um, and so I'm really thankful for that. Uh, I, I feel like just uh, controller support on the PC only got better after the 360 controller, and so I'm super thankful for that. And along those lines... Um, I use the Xbox uh, Elite 2 controller on my PC, and I fucking love that thing. Like, the weight, just everything, that controller just feels good uh, to use, so I really, really love that thing. Um, It annoys me that on the Dreamcast controller, the cord comes from the bottom. (laughs) That's just a bad design decision. It should definitely (laughs) come from, like, the top somewhere. I, uh... Uh, my entire life, I was very, very partial to PlayStation with the the two analog sticks in the middle. Now, I really love the Switch Pro controller, and I really like the Xbox Series X controller. And so, I think I'm honestly even on them. Like the Dual Sense and those two, I don't really have a preference. I could switch between them either way. Um, I I like the Switch like handheld mode. It's kind of fun. I, I did notice a funny thing that when I was using the Steam Deck, I kept hitting cancel because I my brain thought I was holding a switch. And <laughs> and the l- rightmost button is the yes button in most Switch games. So I was, like, canceling out of dialogues and, like, closing things instead of saving in Elden Ring and stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, least favorite, I don't know. Maybe the Duke, like OG. That thing is ridiculous. But yeah, I'm kind of like Ben. Like, I was just thrilled to be there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you kids and all your choices. (laughs) You didn't have to deal with shitty off-brand Mad Cats control. You. Oh yeah! You wish you could be. Off-brand's bad. Cats bad. Oh, they were so bad. Just happy to be there, bro. So bad. So this piece of crap. um, I'm going to (laughs) show the panelists, uh, but you might have to look it up. Atari 5200 controller. It's like it has this crappy analog joystick that didn't work very well, and it has a keypad like a phone for some reason. And then it's got weird oh, triggers on the sides. Yeah, this like, thing sucks. I, what, yeah, what the crap is this piece of garbage? I feel like that is from an era where it's just like, we just haven't figured out the concept yeah. of what a video game controller should but, be. But it's, it was, it's a legit step backwards from what the, the uh, 2600 oh, was. Okay. You know, it's just like, they tried to add more buttons for the sake of adding more buttons, and it's like... Yeah, it's like when phones were like trying to put keypads on there before the iPhone was like, no, a touchscreen is what you need. I remember, because I never had Nintendo stuff growing up. Uh, I had a Genesis and then a PlayStation. Mm -hmm. So I remember going over to my friend's house, and the first time I saw an N64 controller, because like I didn't see a lot of commercials or read Mm. a lot of magazines about games or anything. So I was just like, I was like, what have they done? What is this thing? But then we like started playing Goldeneye or whatever, and I was like, oh, this thing rules. Or no, it was Mario 64 was the first one I played. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, this is great. Like, this is crazy. Um, And then uh, as far as like button preferences and stuff, I so I generally definitely prefer the analog stick to be in the higher primary position. Yep. Uh, The older PlayStation controllers can't stand it. But I think the thing that I've when you talk about the N64 controller, like the reason it's designed like a bizarro world like that is because it's actually kind of the right <laughs> way to do it because like both the D-pad and the analog stick are in the primary position. You just like have to, it's like having two controllers merged together. Yeah. Um, but so that's the thing. It's like when you look at like the GameCube D-pad being down there, well, that's horrible. Um, and... The- you look at like the PS3. I feel like the GameCube controller might as well not there. have a D-pad. That's horrible, <laughs> you know. And so, and, and and so, I've actually gotten to a point now where I like I feel like the PS5 has sort of edged it out because, it, well, the, the 360 or the not the, yeah the the 360 D-pad was terrible, but the Xbox One got a little bit better. And I think the Series X and the Elites have gotten a little bit better on the D-pads over I, the years. Yeah, I really so I feel like they like have, the Elite. Uh, D-pad, because it's like it's um, instead of being just a D-pad, it's like a silver disc that you that like just nicely you can feel like each little direction that you're clicking uh, is good. Yeah, so I th- I think that the Dual Sense has kind of elevated. I think especially after Gran Turismo Seven, it has elevated to be like nice my favorite because I think nice. I think they've tweaked the position on that analog stick to where it doesn't feel like as much of a stretch as they did before. Um, and then the D-pad's still in a good place, and then, yeah, the resistance on those triggers. It just brings me back to the GameCube, where, like, oh, this is actually useful again. I, I feel like the DualSense... I'm, I'm very big on controller weight, because, uh, like, I feel like PS3 controllers are too light, um, or can be, I guess, oh, is yeah, maybe yeah. a better way of saying it. The original one, for sure. Um, but the DualSense is just, like, nice and a nice, chunky boy. From Ivan Ripley... Hi, allies. There's been a lot of talk about difficulty and accessibility in games lately. I lean more on the side of creator's intent and realize that not all games are for me, meaning that I will probably never play difficult games like Sifu or Elden Ring. 
But another game came out recently that I believe reevaluates the difficulty slash accessibility conversation in a way that I've never seen before. Tunic has the option in the accessibility settings to completely turn off damage for the main character. I purchased this game expecting a breezy experience based on the cartoonish look and feel of the world but found it to be punishingly difficult. This option allowed me to get through some of the harder portions of the game while also letting me turn it off when I wanted to experience more of a challenge. How do you feel about this middle ground concept and do you think more games should include this? I think it's great. Uh, it's just the last word that I would disagree with is, is it's just like should. It's it's I, I, the difficulty conversation is, is so hard because I feel like people are either going to misinterpret what you mean or that you're just going to continuously go in circles. I, I absolutely support a huge, diverse uh, landscape of games. I want there to be many choices for people. Um, I was actually listening to a YouTuber that I think said it better than I could ever say it, and he told this story about this guy who worked with big companies, and he worked with um, – I don't remember the YouTuber's name. I wish I could give him proper credit, but uh, – he was talking about this this guy that worked with pasta sauce people, hmm. and he realized throughout his research there is no perfect, there's no singular perfect pasta sauce, because they were thinking wrong. Where it was like, oh, we gotta we gotta make our pasta sauce appeal to the most amount of people possible. And he realized through his research that's not what people want. And he's like, oh, like a third of the country wants a really chunky pasta sauce. No one is tapping into that. Why don't we do that, right? And so his – I think it was Presto that he was working with. He realized that the answer and the way for them to really uh, get a huge bump was to provide more options, not less. And so I think that that is the, the, the approach with games is I think we shouldn't try to be like – how do we make this work for everybody all the time? Let's just make sure that there are a bunch of options that will appeal to a ton of different people, right? Because there might be people out there that absolutely despise um, chunky sauce, right? It's a good thing that they have other options, other things that they can gravitate to and still enjoy video games. Yeah. That's well said. I like that That's analogy. really good, well said. Um, sure, in a perfect world, every game would have like all the difficulty options and like more nuanced ways to handle difficulty. Um, give you so many examples, but like games that do it well, like they have so much development time and they have large teams. It just, it's not as easy as simply like just making a new difficulty mode. And even like the argument of like, okay, even like a Soulsborne game, giving it difficulty options, even if they were to do it, you're telling people, oh, we're not taking away the harder difficulties. The question then becomes, what is the normal difficulty again? Like, what what, what was what difficulty do I play on for this the the, the 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 typical Souls experience? And like, sure, people write guides and stuff to explain to you, oh, if you want like what was equivalent to the previous ones, choose hard or this modifier or something. But that's something like people don't want to have to deal with sometimes. Like, no, I just want to play a, like a FromSoft game, and I know what I'm getting into. I don't want to have to tinker with these options ahead of time, and. Sure, it, it, it's it's again. It's nice to have those things, but we were uh, Isla and I were talking earlier when we were after the Mike and Mike stream ended uh, about uh, Elden Ring about more nuanced ways you could deal with like bosses and like there could be a way even like with the FromSoft game like 
you still need to try the boss the way it's intended. Like, give it like X amount of attempts, and like it's not gonna relinquish. You're gonna experience that brunish, the experience that brutally punishing difficulty. And then maybe there's some kind of modifier that kicks in behind the scenes, like the boss's HP pool gets a little smaller, or you do slightly more damage, or something nuanced like that, where it's like you've put in the work and you've actually been able to you know, learn the fight, experience it as is, and now it's like, okay, you kind of want to move on from this, but that that takes so much time and resources. Like, where is, the, what's the right amount? And I would rather a developer make the game they want to make and make it as good as they can and not have it held back. Oh, we had to commit all these resources to making these difficulty, these difficulty options for Elden Ring. Elden Ring didn't turn out to be as good as it could have been because they had to worry about balancing all these other things that didn't need to be balanced. So... Down the line, I'm like I'm actually fine with post-release support. Post-release support, I think, is where you can do it. Both sides of the equation. If a game is too easy, you just add more difficulty options down the line. If you if that was your creator's intent, yeah, well, if you really see that, that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like yeah. yeah. So just do that. Like, uh, and also I know this isn't the answer for everyone. To me, my thing has always been like, if it's available, just get it on PC and get a cheat thing or whatever. And like, <laughs> they exist for Elden Ring. You're like, well, just go turn on the one hit. If you can't beat a boss after an hour or whatever struggling and you really just want to go do anything else, turn on the one hit kill or like turn on a damage modifier and just beat it and like move on. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I get, I do get the arguments for it. And I'm always, I'm always about giving more options, but I also always understand the reality of the situation is that like some creators don't want to do that. And who am I to tell them what to do with their game? Now, if a, if a, if a, if a group of people are speaking out because of like, if it comes down to actual accessibility issues, if there is a group of people who are saying, please do this for this specific reason, you should listen to that and actually give that some serious consideration. But when it comes to this like raw difficulty, like this boss is just too hard and like I can't beat it because I don't want to spend more than 10 minutes on it, then that's a different issue to me. Um, I've spent a lot of time at this very company a lot of time talking about how can we make fighting games more accessible to more people. And I will probably have that conversation for the foreseeable future. And I do think there are so many fighting games, um, uh, so many ways fighting games could be more accessible. But it makes me think of this this SNL skit with Adam Sandler. And A, the, the skit is just hilarious, so you should go look it up on YouTube, where Adam Sandler is playing this, this, um, this, this like, he works for this travel company and he's getting a, he, he's saying like, Hey, based on our experience, you know, we, we want to take you to Italy. We want you to have a good time. Uh, but we can't make you suddenly magically like yourself just because you're in Italy, right? Like <laughs> at the end of the day, there's still going to be you just in a different place. Like we can't make you like yourself. We can't fix your marriage. We could just take you to Italy. Right. Um, and I think that on some level that attitude, applies to games like yes absolutely uh like fighting games for example we should do more and i think that's a great conversation to have and there's so many points to bring up but at the end of the day some people are just not going to like fighting games and that's totally cool um yeah i think for for me with the tunic example it's it's interesting because you know so like with you know it's with souls or elden ring like i you know i think it's pretty clear that like combat and overcoming enemies and learning all of those nuances is a very big part of the game whereas in tunic like combat is a part of the game but i think there's you know a lot of other things in there that people are interested in in solving puzzles and trying to like yeah. f- 
you know, figure out the world in a more, you know, overt way. Um, and and so I think that, yeah, that's why it's like, just don't take damage. You know, like you can fight things and everything. It's like, just flip the switch. But what, I, what it makes me think of is, is, you know, when we used to have cheat codes. And so it, it would be cool for, you know, more modern games to like have access to cheat codes in one way or another, you know, and like, I don't know what all else might be into it, but it would be funny if like one of those like instruction booklet pages like had a cheat code. It was like, oh, there you go. Uh, I do know one of the first ones you get that's pretty cool is it like it actually shows you like where the iframes are. It shows the like the <laughs> roll cool. frames and like, okay, if there's dust, when there's dust, then you're invincible. And just like this very subtle way of teaching you about iframes. Yeah. And all this like, yeah, that I love that stuff. And it, it, it'd be nice to see more of that. And this stuff, like, it, it's all single player. I mean, I feel like, especially I feel like, Ben, I feel like you have said this before. So many people get so worked up and care about how other people are enjoying games. Where it's right. like, it's like, just let them enjoy the Like, who cares if you don't like what they're doing? Like, are you having a good time? Are they having a good time? Cool. Why do you guys need to, like, fight with each other? Because, like, you're, you're someone's saying you're playing the game the wrong way. It's like, oh, wait, what? Why do you yeah. care? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. For sure. It's gaming has this really shitty and pervasive culture of there is a right and wrong way to play. And people need to let that go. Like, I I think there's a difference between being like, hey, I think if you try this, you might enjoy it more. I think that's healthy. But, like, the, the people who, like, make it almost a hobby to invalidate somebody else's experience. Yeah. Why don't people like my jellyfish, man? My jellyfish helped me beat Margate. I, don't, I have no problem with jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah, sounds like people don't like, want, want me to be poisoning things with a jellyfish. Yeah, but fuck them. Like, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that that is, a, that is a, a, a big thing. And, like, I, I also think – I feel like when people – some I think culture sometimes can have this problem where, like, if something goes wrong – your first instinct is to not look inward. I think people get frustrated and they don't know how to process it. Because I imagine for a lot of people that play video games, most of the time it's pretty smooth sailing for them. You know, they, they might like struggle with a little bit here or there, but like I think people kind of like get into this pride thing where they're like, man, you know, like I'm good. At, I'm a gamer. I'm, I'm good at playing video games. You know, I won that victory royale, whatever it is. Right. And then they encounter, you know, they play the, a Souls game for the first time and they have their asshole ripped open. You know, and I, I, ju- I just don't know if they're like, I just think they just don't expect that. Right. And so they like don't know how to process that necessarily. I wonder if that's just because people the games so many people are seen as like it's a form of escape it's entertainment it should be something i enjoy so like like everything else they do like movies consuming media like reading a book it's like you just have to put in the time and I, I know they're different but like yeah go ahead go ahead yeah. no but yeah. that that example really frustrates me yeah. because it's total bullshit right like there are absolutely tv shows and movies i haven't watched because i'm like Damn, like this movie is going to be like really uh, – it's going to have a lot of metaphors. It's going to be really deep. I just don't feel like doing that right now, right? Like think about think about how diverse the landscape of movies is, right? Or it's like that's dealing with subject matter that I really can't handle right now. I, I need something lighter. Or sometimes I'm in the mood to really engage those topics and I want to dive in, right? You know, like – 
I, I don't expect those things to conform around me. I am just glad that they are both there and that I can tackle them when I feel ready to. Almost like there's all these books and movies and movies made for so many different types of people yeah. that they'd all, all have to be for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> God. It's time for bets. This week's bet, uh, Weird West is out next week. Brad is currently playing through the Game 4 coverage, and I'm going to ask Brad to boot up his game, wherever his save file is, uh, and get into a combat area. What will be the value of the third equipable item he finds on an enemy corpse? So, you know, like when you find a sword, it's got a, a, a cost there, uh, a value that you would be able to sell it for. So you just see it right there when you pick it up. I uh, skimmed through a dev walkthrough uh, and saw some things ranging from $15 to $200 in value. But who knows how far they were into the game and who knows uh, how that will compare to where Brad is uh, when we have him pick it up next week. Uh, so, Damiani, what's your bet? I went with $15. Going with that low ball, 15 okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be lower. Ben? $60. $60. Isla. $67. Whoa. You, that's close. You meta son of a gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> I boxed you out. And then I went high, high, 650 Wow. She says high, high like that in the American dragon tattoo. And I always found oh. that very charming of her character. I might have seen that once. That movie has one scene that was very hard to watch. It's a very intense movie. It's a very intense movie. All right, last week's bet. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land is coming out this week, and I went to the top ten reviews on Open Critic, and I wanted to see how many times I would find the word mouthful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brad bet only twice. That's too low. Huber bet 17 times. Okay. That might be too high. Isla bet 22 times, and I bet 27 times. It's at least going to be 10. So there are two small snags, but I, I, I figured out all the variables here, right? So for one, I had a question like, okay, well, should I count the info boxes? You know, the kind of like pros and cons boxes and summary yeah. boxes. Yeah. 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 So you guys think we should. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, my team has the high, so definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I was wondering is like, well, do I count reviews in other languages? Because that just seems weird. But they were like thrown in the mix there. The 10th one was a Spanish language review. I think that definitely makes things very complicated. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but I have the numbers for all three scenarios. So... The least applicable, which would include a Spanish review and exclude the info boxes, came to 39. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Never mind then. Here we go. The most applicable, uh, which uh, excludes the Spanish reviews uh, and includes the info boxes, came to 53. And oh what my I, God. What I, what I called the most reasonable... Uh, <laughs> excluding Spanish reviews and excluding info boxes is 46 right there in the middle. Either way, it doesn't I, matter. Yeah. I had the high. I had 27, <laughs> which uh, brings the scores to massive chubs for splish. Oh, so big. And Melodora sea lions five. Arr, 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 arr. 
Let me tell you about patreon.com slash easy allies. Uh, that is where you can go to support us. And uh, this week is EasyX. Uh, we are fundraising in a lot of different ways. Uh, you can go back and check out all of those archives. Uh, if you're watching this patron early access version at $5, you can go watch more EasyX today. Um, and uh, you also, uh, as a patron, every patron gets an ad-free extended version of the podcast with two extra love and respect questions. And then uh, we just started this behind the scenes thing. Shout out to everyone watching right now. Hey, everyone in chat. $20 a month. You get to watch this live as we screw everything up. Um, We're doing fine. (laughs) Uh, And then at the tip top, uh, the $250. Well, it's not the tip top anymore. We've got the $250, the $500, and the $1,000 tiers. We've got shout outs. uh, And uh, this month's shout outs are Caleb, Togi Crawford, Elthanis, Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering, Nick, Raymond Wheeler III, and Zat One Dude. Shout, Shout out. out. Shout out. I cut to myself. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I won the bet, so I get to promote any Easy Allies video I'd like to promote. I uh, get this final word on anything I've disagreed with, want to reiterate, or just popped into my head. And I get to sign off with my trademark sign off. Uh, for the video, I want to do this uh, most recent episode of Mysterious Monsters. Woo! It's been a while away. It was a fun time. It's been a long time since I've been on that show, so I got to be on this episode, too, so that was fun. Did you win? Well, you can't say that. Can't say that. You can't say who wins. That they got to watch the episode that to see who wins. That means he did. That means he did. No, he got second. <laughs> <laughs> B. Yeah, he got B. B. <laughs> he got Knuckle Joe. Um, the let's see final word oh witcher combat's cool i like it (laughs) i know a lot of people don't like witcher combat but i like the combat in witcher 3 uh and we'll see you before the next blood moon rises uh isla is now a massive chub Baby, apple, baby, baby, elephant. The Easy Allies would like to thank our Patreon podcast producers. We apologize in advance for all the ally names we are about to misspell and mispronounce. Caleb Crawford, L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Nick, Raymond Wheeler III, Zatvendut, Edsger M. Hernandez, Stomps, Walker Hope, Will Schmuck, Alexander Zirianov, Ali Kat, Arvind Rajan, Beaten Down Brian, Bradley Spees, Discarded Digit, Douglas Chomich, Esdokal, Freya Lawson, Hayden Hargraves, Happy Gaming, Jay Shee, Jesper Popmel Dufay, Jesse Blue, Jose Gutierrez, Miguel Rivas, Paolo Costabel, Robert Stoffel, Roy Sung, Sage Mode Q, Sigma, S Snake 24, Chum Nguyen, Valmar, Andri, Aurelian Grainier, Blue, Brandon White, Brian Kruger, Dale Sun, Dave Red, Gary James, G. Levin, John Burns, Kroldemort, Leith, Luke Bennett, Mango, Marcel Markov, Mark J. Betters II, Matthew Holcomb, Matthew Pauling, Nathan Watkins, Oni Blackmage, Pete Shoemaker, Rob Bob Will, Robert Crouch, Sam Hendrick, Stepan Hakobian, Stephen Thomason, The Banana Forklift Killer, Tom Ironman, Rack, 44 stars. 
Anish Dorr, Accounts Payable, Adam Henry, Alex Monaco, Alexander Irving, Andreas Risberg, Anthony Galvin, Barry Tomasini, Bjornar Haraldsvik, Blake Bonsack, Breadroll Art, Brian Foster, Briscoe Davis, Brittany Fuller, Bunny Chen, C.S. Lewis, Katie Garza, Chase Caldwell, Candy Coated Thorns, Chief Uhu, Christian Semniak, Christophe Atui, Christopher Santis, Clay Roberts, Cody Westley, Corey Jackson, Culinary Stud, Cyberboa, Damnable Nook, Dan Sebring, Daniel Wong, David Wilson, David Boyarski, Delisi, DF, Dimitri Zetas, Don Turner, DRD7 of 14, Edison S. Prada Jr., Eric Maynard, Eric Tobias, Eric Gustafson, Espen Gotchman, Ethereal Ether, Faraz Rizvi, Fishflop, Forest, From the Void, Gabriel Aberg, Giant 49er Fan, Glenn Olson, Gustav Strombaum, Hadi Ali, Helen Y, Hitman 47, Hugo Aguilar, Isun Chor, Ian Anderson, Isaac Swanson, Ivan Swade, Jay Aldiar, Jameson Lapine, JC3, Jeffrey Ruchtenwald, Jeremy Ferris, Jesse Fish, Jesse Wilkison, Jethrin, Joe Frantic, Joey Din, John Gallagher, Jojo Denko, Jordan Phillips, Joshua Vanswall, Julius Garcia, Junior Motomura, Justin Payne, Carl Williams, Kevin Gillet, Leon Keyes, Lindsay Wells, Linson Wu, Liam Ahern, Luis Ibarra, Lion Crown 19, Manuel Thomas, Marcel Giro 017 Frolic, Marco Hernandez, Materia Addict, Matt Ferguson, Matt Karwaski, Matthew Holmes, Matthew T. Ryan, Mazrim Tame, Megadet, Megan McDonough, Michael Bisegli, Michael Clendenan, Michelle Nub, Miguel, Mikhail Aniel, Mike Hook 1, Mikey Mizek Novak, Misuki 211, Mithers Strongbeard, Mo Grant, Mr. Anarchy, Mr. Mattity, Nefertiti Jenkins, Nicholas Johnson, Nevi Sun, Ulf himself, Orugachino, Pablo Rodriguez, Paul Sway, Philip Higdon, Quinn Riley, RF Switch, Rafa David, Reed Johnson, Ritz 1906, Roy Eschke, Russell Bateman, Ryan Anderson, Salvers, Sam Sorensen, Samuel Copeland, Sebastian Urban, Sebastian Trier, Sneaky Gato, Splontot, Strikeout NZ, Super 3D Cow, T-Beaks 15, Tense George, Tim Strothman, Thomas Blaze Fauchereau, Tim Mann, Tim O'Keefe, TJ Sullivan, Toasty Soul, Travis Ng, Trevor Thomas, Tristan Howard, Trizac, Tuttle, V8 Dave, Volker Bach, Wavy Chula, Willow Pingree, Wouter DeHaze, ZK.